Welcome to the Arcade Repair Tips Question and Answer Podcast. The podcast that answers your questions about arcade repair and restoration. Now, here are your hosts, Tim and Jonathan. Hello, and welcome to episode 59 of the Arcade Repair Tips Question and Answer Podcast. My name is Jonathan Leung, the producer, director, and editor of the Arcade Repair Tips video series. And joining me today, as always, is Mr. Arcade Repair Tips himself, Tim Peterson. Tim, how you doing? I'm good, John. Well, Tim, before we get too far into the podcast, we should probably make a secondary announcement. For those of you who might have listened to the last kind of short episode we had, you might have noticed that... We're no longer going to be doing the podcast, Tim. Well, At least on a regular right, basis. Right, on a regular basis. On a regular yeah. basis. So uh, basically, our friends Eric and Chris will be taking over, starting with episode 60, which will be the next episode of the podcast. So we hope you guys tune in for that. So as a regular podcast, as far as they go, Tim, this will be our final regular podcast. Are you sad? Yeah, a little bit. It's you know we've done so many of them now, but technically more than fifty nine because we had special episodes too. A lot yeah. of people may not realize that. So. But also excited because I know that the guys that we have that are going to do it and what they bring to the table. You know, I'll I'll be a regular listener myself, so. I know that it will be good. Uh, And we'll get into a little bit more about Eric and Chris, Tim, maybe at the end of the podcast in our normal discussion section. And guys, we're going to kind of flip things around a little bit, Tim, since this is our our final regular podcast. But we'll discuss that as we get into the show, so you guys stay tuned. But Tim, as always, let's start off with a little bit of discussion between the two of us. What's been going on with you since we talked last, and uh, what's been going on, especially with Chuck E. Cheese? Now, Tim, we should mention that me and you have not gotten together for a while. It's been probably maybe two months, maybe since um, Southern Fried Game Room Expo. Yeah, it's been a busy summer for sure, especially right. for me. We've had uh, a lot of changes. I don't even know if we've talked about it on the podcast yet, but if you've been to local Chuck E. Cheese or Dave & Buster's or something, we have been, and I've been over the East Texas and Longview and Arkansas areas. I've been to Oklahoma I've been all over the place where we have been going into stores and in uh, one night's time turning everything from a coin-operated to a uh, card-based system. So basically going away from coin operation and going towards card-based systems, kind of like what we see at Dave & Buster's, like you mentioned. Yes. And this is a big deal. This seems to be a huge changeover, Tim, mainly because of the flexibility I think it gives you. And I think we did talk a little bit about you guys going to what you guys call Play Pass, right? Yeah, we call it Play Pass. Ours is a little bit different in that uh, you don't actually slide a card. You, what we call tap it. You just get the card and tap the reader, and it will dispense or play at that time. And it's kind of cool the way it works. I've been pretty impressed overall. But as you can imagine, guys, just to take a game that was always meant to take a coin and to no longer take a coin, the rewiring, the interface boards that we use, uh, some of them have to have a hopper inside where there was never meant to be a hopper for sure. It's been a real challenge, and each game had its own individuality, you know, like how to make it work to do this. Yeah, and we should mention... Games that you're talking about with the hoppers would be like coin pushers, right, basically? Yeah, a game that you actually need a token. Everybody knows kind of smoking token. Right. Where you actually need a token to roll down the play field to actually make it play. Or like Simpsons Cookie Carnival or, or Price is Right or something like that. So what we actually had to do was put a hopper in there so that when you tapped it, it dispenses a token so that then you play with that, that one token. 
Exactly. So, I mean, it's just basically so you can play the game, because otherwise you wouldn't be able to play the game at all. Exactly. And we had, in our store alone, there were 17 of those hoppers that had to be mounted, drilled, cut holes. We were just talking about before the podcast started, though, John is so, you know, after all these years of scrounging for parts and making sure all my coin mechs were working right, now all all that's gone. We just literally filled up dumpsters full. I'm sorry, guys. coin doors, right? Coin doors, coin coin mechs, bill changer parts, things like that that, you know, we were... You guys might remember if you bought tokens at the cash register, it would actually spit tokens out right. of a thing. Well, those were actually hoppers, big, huge hoppers from Las Vegas, which is that should clue you in on who, <laughs> who makes right. these. They were actually made for uh, slot machines, and right. they converted them. So all that, I mean, just all of it, just gone. I mean, we're just ripping but it out. It's almost gone. like Chuck E. Cheese history in a way. It, it really uh, was, but you can feel the changing kind of of the ways, but also then I see the advantage where you can go in and on, say on Tuesdays, have half price games. Well, you can't half price a quarter, but right. you can half price this way. You know, being able to keep up with that card and not have all these tokens and stuff. I mean, it's a, and, and then for us, not having to count them right. every Monday morning, <laughs> taking four or five hours to run them through a machine and take down meter readings, it does all that for us. So do you guys charge for the card? I think a lot of places do, like a dollar or you something know, like that. No, currently we're not, and I'm kind of surprised because there's a cost that goes into every card. Well, exactly. It has, it has um, you guys are using RFID, right? Like wireless little chips? Yes. But currently, no, and uh, I've been kind of surprised at that, and that may change, but right now they just get a free card, or but most people, you know, get it with a meal or something, so it's it's kind of included in that cost. Nobody comes up and just says, hey, I want a card. Okay, so they usually buy like almost like a bundle package, yes. I guess. See, that's my idea. I think it'd be awesome if like, okay, if you top up for at least $20 or whatever it is, you get the card for free. Anything less than that, we're going to charge you a dollar for the card just so you can encourage people to spend more money, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And, and they may, they'll probably come up with some kind of system like that. Because like at Dave & Buster's, I've noticed... You know, we always keep our cards. Yeah, we do. But I've noticed a lot of people are t- recycling them, and that's what we do. We just recycle them, wash them, clean them, and put them right back out the next day. It's a little different than most of the... But we're not also... When you tap it, you don't really wear the card out as much. Right. It's, it's a little different system. I, I really like it better. In fact, we went to Dave & Buster's not long ago, and... You know, some of my cards weren't were kind of getting stuck, and it, big kids were sticking tickets up in there. I can see some issues, but overall, I've been kind of impressed with it. Now, let's go ahead and just—I mean, I guess since we're right here, let's go ahead. How about the pros and cons? Give me three pros and three cons of the system that you've noticed so far. Well, play pass. Yeah, the biggest pro, at least on from my standpoint, is not having tokens to count. Right, like we That's were talking a, about. That's a huge deal. It right. takes about five hours every Monday in the counting system of keeping up with every token and where they are and how many left the building that week and how many came back in and all that. So that that number one... That takes out about a hundred cons in itself, <laughs> but I would say that that is one. The next thing is it's it's pretty simple to use because, like I mentioned, RFID. You don't not swipe. You don't have to swipe a certain way or right. anything like that. That makes it easy. Then I think that just the ease of for me, you know, not coming from a 
like a, like a computer background like you have you know most of it's pretty simple like the interface the the action and the wiring and so forth i got it was pretty simple after doing one or two i had it down so so, so that, basic, that was yeah. all so basically not having to count coins is a big thing not having to keep up with coins and then of course uh like you were mentioning you know just the ease of it the simplicity behind it what was the second one i forgot I was trying to remember. <laughs> we have to play back and see. Yeah, you know, the, these are the coins. Gosh, what did I say? <laughs> I don't know. Well, this is the final podcast, and this is the kind of stuff you right. expect. We can't even remember what we said five minutes yeah, ago. Yeah, we won't edit all this stuff out. No, we'll leave it on. Well, it's it's it easier. Is, it is easier. The wiring is easy. It's easy to hook up. You have kind of control and the over flexibility the that you can do. Like I can go out there and. Uh, I can say all the kitty rides are free for the next hour. Right. Or it's Jeffrey's birthday. I can go add some, you know, every game. Credits to his card or yeah, whatever. Yeah, or whatever. You know, give him a free play card or something. Right. You know? So, stuff like that. There's some things. Now, the cons to me are it's so new. Right. That, that not every bug has worked out quite yet. Sure. Uh, some of the, uh, like I was telling you, a game might give me three tokens. It might register in the computer's two point seven. Well, how did I get two point seven? I got three right. tickets. I'm said tokens, three tickets, not two point seven. Right. So for those accounting things, it's a little bit off, and and that still needs to be tweaked a little. Uh, tech support to me is not real fast because, like I said, it's not their main business. So this company, right? Yeah, the yeah. company that we're using. I don't. It's not like they're lock, stock, and barrel and betting on us. They have other things going for them. Although they are really knowledgeable and helpful when you when you get them, it's just not super fast. Right. That that would be another con. The other con is just teaching and having to train people. And you know, some people. I mean. Uh, kids like tokens and i mean there's we grew up playing tokens so that part of the era of going away it's sad it kind of is it's a it's a change in the times but then again you know it's kind of just not to interrupt you but it's kind of acropos or whatever you would say that we're kind of ending our podcast about the time when coins are going away it's almost like it's weird that's a coincidence that we're kind of having this whole thing but i think like you're talking about before seeing the coin doors out and and just throwing them in the trash and stuff i mean to me that's yeah that's kind of heartbreaking and uh, especially from our background all these games and some of them you know i've modified myself to make the coins fall in the bucket easier or something you know you could always tell they always had I'm always tweaking and doing stuff like that. You know, those those things, yeah, it's this is different, you know, and so but change is good. Five years ago they were talking about it and I thought this won't work. Kids love tokens, they you know, they want that in their hand. And now I see one one year olds coming in and turning on an iPad and playing with it, and I'm they know how to turn it on and do all that. <laughs> I was pretty much eating mud at that time. Right. You know, I, mean, I was like, now in your defense, five years a lot has changed. It has changed. I mean, so, you know, like we we have now become touch screen savants. Like everybody has one in their house, maybe two, maybe ten, depending on what you have, and so. And wireless communications now are just so ingrained in us, just so common that we don't even think about it. I well, think. and we may talk about this later in the discussion, but people are talking about the Olympics and how TV watching was down. It's because you already knew who won on social media. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you know, why watch the race if, you know, and let, you know what I'm saying? It's, right. It, 
it is the way our world has changed. Right. Cable TV is no longer the huge empire yeah, that now, it was. And, and, and real quick, just a real quick statistic. I heard that only 20% of millennials have cable TV. Yeah. That's what I heard. I have cable TV. I don't know if I'm a millennial. I'm kind of on the borderline, you know. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, a lot of millennials do not have cable television. That's a great example of that. And so, you know, how can you expect, like, the Olympics to get the ratings that it did when it's not reaching as many households as it did, as it did in the past? Things like that. Well, it, it is, maybe, but just by different media. Yes. You know, not yeah. the same way. And, right. And you can't... You know, give the sad sob story that NBC likes to do that drama, right. build it up. And that works for the housewives in there. But that's not, most people are working and most people aren't just sitting there. It's not a soap opera anymore. Right. It's more like they want the facts. They want to see the stuff. It's just the way things are changing, I guess is what I'm saying. So, you know, you got to change with the times and this is one way. And I know that, you know, Bull Down, it probably saves us a lot of money oh, yeah. on some end. It's a. I think it's an expensive upfront cost, but when you keep when you think about the cost involved with keeping up with tokens, keeping up with Coin Max, keeping up with tickets and those kind of things, Ticket Max, mm-hmm. Ticket Blasters, Changers, right. you know, stuff like that. When you calculate all the costs, I think in the long term it's going to be cheaper, probably. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure they're they're they wouldn't do it if it was, <laughs> yeah, that's if right. it was more expensive these <laughs> right. days. They'd be cutting back. So all that being said, you know, just yeah, it's a. It's an era gone by, and those of us that grew up at Chuck E. Cheese and Showbiz and places like that. And put coins in games. And we like that sound. You can hear it. You know you you know that sound is ting, 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 tingling through there, and then you hear it drop in that bucket. Boom, you know. Uh, I miss some of that. But at the same time, I don't miss uh, counting all those <laughs> tokens and not being able to take a Monday off. You know I'm taking off a Monday, John. I figured it up. That I have over seven, I've worked over 700 Mondays there, and I've only taken maybe three to five Mondays off. Because of Because of the accounting and right. the, all the coin pool. And so to be able to just take a Monday off, you know, like it's it was it. a, a <laughs> or a right. Thursday, uh, to me it's worth it for sure. So, Well, I, I think overall, Tim, it will be a good change, but it does make me sad that there will no longer be coins in normal usage at Chuck E. Cheese. But guys, if you can imagine going in, we have 86 games. One day they take a coin, the next day they're taking a card. In one night's time, it was so much work and so chaotic and so crazy. If we hadn't worked two months pretty much prior getting everything, all the wires that we could run and all that stuff for that night, I'm telling you, it was crazy. And so, you know, working overnight one day... Early the next morning, the, another day, my sleep's just been kind of off. So you ask, you know, how, how things are going. It's just been crazy. But well, let's, now school let, started. Yeah, I'm I was about to say, let's transition to the personal real quick. So everything's okay on that end, I assume. You guys have a good time. You mentioned you went to Dave & Buster's earlier in the summer. You guys do anything else over the summer? Yeah, or? well, we uh, that's really... Since Atlanta? I mean, basically the last time I saw you, Tim, was really Atlanta, I guess, when we went to Sunfry Game Room Expo. And we'll talk about that for a second. That was a lot of fun. We had a great time. We got to meet a lot oh, of yeah. great people out there. Of course, that's also where we made the announcement that we were no longer going to be doing the podcast, so that was kind of sad. But at the same time, we got to meet a lot of great people, a lot of you guys. Tim got to hang out, sign some soldering irons, and we got to do <laughs> some other fun stuff. So you guys can see all the coverage, though, on our YouTube page, Tim. We have live videos of all sorts of cool stuff, and we hope you guys check that stuff out. But uh, it was a good time. Tim, you have a good time at Southern Fried Game Oh, yeah. And some of the interviews that we got were just kind of like our bread and butter, where we used to say we really enjoy doing that type of stuff. And right. talking to Jack, 
again and uh, just hanging out with the folks and, and uh, you know, with our people. You yeah. know, this is what we do. And so that was really fun. So, yeah, if you haven't seen those videos, go back and watch some of those some really interesting uh, stories and things that came out of that, and the uh, Round Rock Table. Podcast. Yeah, the podcast we had. We had the podcasting after dark on yeah. Friday on the Friday night, and then we did our seminar, of course, early Saturday morning. Tim, we had a good turnout for early Saturday morning. It wasn't sure bad did. at all. So, uh, but you know, like I said, it was a great time. I got to use the Microsoft Hololens, thanks to yes. yeah, which was <laughs> nice, and I uh, uh, got to do a whole bunch of other fun stuff. So it was really a great time. Love Southern Fried Gamer Expo. Want to thank. Uh, all of the organizers of that, of course, you know, Preston, Patrick, Shannon, anybody else we're forgetting, of course, uh, guys, thank you guys so much for all the hard work and effort you guys put in. It was a lot of fun. We had a great time, Tim, and hopefully we can make it back there sometime soon. So uh, thanks for everybody who came out to see us. Uh, it was really fun. So, Tim, since that time... What have you been doing? <laughs> you well, went to Dave & Buster's. You've been yeah. doing the, the installs. Well, that was but... it. I, with the installs, because there's so much prep every day. We right. work on a specific game, and we try to wire up everything with still even the coin wire up and everything else wired. So it was so much prep. I really took three days off. I had three days off all summer, and all we did was just kind of go to Dallas, go to Dave & Buster's. But it was my son's first time to get to go, uh, my stepson Landon, he had never been to Dave Buster's, so of course, you know, being the gamer he is, and and even his mom, we really had a good. The three of us had a good time, and then big we, kid Chuck E. Cheese. Yep, and then uh, thanks for thanks for making my stock go up. I noticed it jumped <laughs> after you guys went, so thank you guys. <laughs> well, it wasn't because we just racked up the tickets. I tell you, I, I'm losing my touch or something, but. <laughs> Or, or they're tightening down the screws. I think or they're tightening they, them down. They want to make money now, anyways. So. Yeah, we definitely <laughs> spent some money there. That's for sure. <laughs> and we also did, he did the indoor skydiving. Oh yeah, and that was cool. a really good experience for him. Took in a Rangers game. Uh, did they win? Yeah, yeah, they that, won. That's, that's great. Fireworks show afterwards. Yeah, it there was you a go. good night. That's really. I had three days off, and that was basically the only three days I have, except for maybe a, a Sunday. Or something I've had off. It's just been nonstop. Oh, and we haven't even, like you said, we haven't even seen each other. Yeah. So it's kind of nice to getting back. School started, getting back in a little bit of routine, those type of things. But uh, looking forward to uh, starting to shoot some more videos. I'm telling you, yeah. Actually, Tim, and it, you mentioned that I actually filmed the video by myself of right. something that we that I had to work on for a customer we had a customer who had a multi k that we had built with a 61 board in it and it went out the 61 board went out and this guy has had this game for what four or five years I really? mean so yeah. I mean it had been running for a while and that board just gave out power supply was still good and everything so I told him you know you can go with the 60 in one but we can go ahead and upgrade you to the 412 in one if you want yeah, and he took the 412 in one, and so basically, it's a video of me talking about how to take a 60 in one multi cade cabinet and turn it into a 412 in one multi cade cabinet. Okay. So hopefully, I'll get that all edited and put up at some point. But and we've got other videos we need to shoot and videos we need to do and all sorts of stuff. But uh, yeah, Tim, looking forward to doing more of that stuff for sure. Uh, as for me, so after Atlanta, you know, I just worked basically for about a month, you know, just on you know stuff, and uh, then we went on vacation. We went to uh, South Carolina. And I got to meet up with Louie, who's one of our Facebook moderators. And I also got to meet up with Jeff from Arcade Body Shop. There's a picture of both of us online taking in a baseball game yeah. together, which is one of my favorite things to do. Those of you who know, I love baseball. So I uh, had a great time, though. Just got to hang out on the beach and, you know, relax. And then when we came back, 
uh, me, my wife, and my daughter all took turns getting sick. Yes. And so uh, we, yeah. we had about a three-week period there where we were all sick. And so uh, finally we ended up getting kind of back to normal about a week ago or so. So, mm-hmm. I mean, two weeks ago maybe. Uh, but we're finally getting back to normal. And so I was able to go out and fix that game and do some other things that, uh, you know, I'd been meaning to do. But, man, I just feel like the summer has gone, Tim. It's like it was here, it was May, and I had all this time. And now it's August and school's back right. in session. And speaking of converting games from tokens to cards, I also had a friend that opened an arcade, and he needed me to convert all 49 games from one size token to a, a smaller size, size token <laughs> up to a bigger size. So he needed all new mechs and stuff too. So it seems like I have had my I have had my hand on a lot of games this summer. A lot of coin doors have yes. been touched by Tim, right? Yes, they have. So well, it sounds like we've both been really busy, Tim, and and that's why this podcast has taken so long. Tim, we were supposed to get this cranked out at the end of July, but it just didn't work out that way. And so here's here's the schedule. We're going to do one. This is going to be the August episode, and then number sixty will be the September episode with Eric and Chris. That'll be the first episode with them. So next time you guys hear the podcast, or next time you have the podcast in your feed, it'll be Eric and Chris doing this. And so we'll talk more about them at the end, but we just want to let you know that that's going to be the case. So Tim, because like I said. This is a different type of show. We're going to take things differently. And so I am going to rely on people that they need to go to the question and answer database, Tim, because we are still adding questions to that. And, Tim, we've added some documents and things from games that are hard to get to, like okay. and monitors that are hard to find and stuff. Anytime somebody asks us, like, okay, uh, do you have a uh, manual for this or a wiring schematic for this, if we don't find it or if they find it or if we find it, we'll post it up in the in the database. So we're right. getting to a point where we're getting some rare stuff in there you might not be able to find on other websites. So it's always a good idea to search the question and answer database first, guys, if you're looking for a particular answer to your question. So, uh, again, there's over a 1,000 questions in there, Tim. Now it's probably over 1,400. Wow. So, I mean, it, it's always growing as uh, people send in questions. It's not all of our questions, but it's a good amount of questions that we get that we add to the database. Uh, I don't add YouTube questions. I don't add a lot of stuff. Website questions don't get in there. Mainly email questions are what get in there, but it just really depends on the question. And if I think it's something that obviously could benefit other people, we put it in there. But we highly recommend you check out the question and answer database, and that's at arcaderepairtips.com slash Questions, if you go there, slash questions, Tim. So, arcaderpairtips.com slash questions. You guys can check out the question and answer database. There's also a link on the right sidebar of the site, but Tim, if you have an ad blocker on, you might not see that. And so, again, arcaderpairtips.com slash questions to get there. Now, Tim, we would normally go into thanks and feedback. But since this is our final normal show, we're going to go right into questions, and we'll leave the thanks and feedback for the end. How's okay. that sound? Okay? Sounds good. Tim, I kind of took the more fun questions this time that we've gotten recently. Uh, these were questions, a lot of these that we were going to put in our seminar, but kind of were left over, I guess you could say. So ones that we were going to put in the seminar, but we kind of didn't have enough time, I guess. We only had a certain amount of time. And to be honest with you, I think our seminar went perfect as far as time was concerned. Right. So it actually worked out really well. If we would have added in our question, we might have gone over. So these are some questions, Tim, that we might have had in our seminar from Southern Fried Gamer Expo. I think they're a lot of fun. So maybe a little bit more relaxed than some of the other questions that we get. So, without further ado, let's get into these, Tim. And the first one is from Alan. And Alan says, Hello, I have a Maximum Force game that somehow got into test mode, and I can't stop it no matter what I do. Please help. Okay, Tim, so we have Maximum Force. A lot of people know that's a shooting game. Yeah. Okay, it's a gun game. So, it's in test mode, and Alan, for the life of him, cannot get it out of test mode. What can he do to get this game out of test mode? 
Well, you know, I don't remember on Maximum Force, but I think it may have soft dips on it. And he should go into his menu settings, mm-hmm. and and it should be a way to turn that off. Now, if that's the case, that then he just needs to play with his settings. He'll probably figure that out or get a manual would help him more than anything because that's going to tell him. But if it's a hard dip, what we mean by a hard dip is a, a physical dip switch, and we have a video about dip switches yep. and stuff like that. Now, sometimes I have dip switches do go bad, and yep. they do break, and they do get stuck. Always remember to turn your game off when you're changing a dip switch. Sometimes that will affect. If you just can't get the dip switch to change, you could jumper the wires uh, on the back or something, but most of the time it's going to be either a stuck or bad dip switch or you know it's some kind of software-type issue where he needs to go in and do a, a soft dip change on it. If neither of those work and it is just stuck, then we're probably looking at a programming type issue, and that's where he's going to have to have his board repaired. Now, I am going to add one more thing here, Tim. If your game has a toggle test switch, uh, which uh, the 16 one that I was working on that I put the 4 and 12 in one board in did, had an Uh actual toggle, you need to make sure that's in the off position. Okay, that toggle switch is in the off position when you're booting the game. If it's in the on position, it may go straight into test mode. Because, you know, JAMA has a test mode uh, button that it actually you can wire up. And some people wire a actual flip switch to that. And so make sure that if you've got a flip switch that's in the off position, if it is in the off position still going into test mode, you could try snipping the wires right. and seeing if it's a switch malfunction. It could be that the switch itself is not working. But like Tim said, I'm going to echo that. If it's a dip switch setting to get into the test mode, you need to make sure that your dip switch is set correctly. Uh, some, like he mentioned, have a soft dip switch where you have to actually, like, once you're in the test mode menu, you have to tell it, okay, I want to exit test mode. So it really depends on the game. Like Tim mentioned, the manual is going to be probably the biggest thing that you want to look for. But make sure that your test mode switch in your game is in the off position. Make sure that your dip switch, if it has a test mode dip switch, is in the off position. And then also make sure that any soft dips are set for off for the test mode. And Tim, that should solve this problem, I'm thinking. What about you? Yeah, I think so. But, But again, watch our video on dip switch settings that may help you with a little bit and if especially if we're throwing out some terms right now you may not understand go ahead and watch that video and maybe that'll help a little bit further yeah and i don't think we can stress enough tim manual 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 right (laughs) find the manual online if you need help locating one let us know tim klov has a ton of them yeah but there's other websites as well that you can find that'll have the manual the manual should tell you how to get out of test mode so if you need any additional help with that please let us know we'll help you track one down or we'll help you find the page that has that information on it but alan good luck with your maximum force game hopefully you can get that thing out of test mode and back to playing normally okay tim let's move to justin and justin says hello i have a lethal enforcers konami arcade machine that i am having a problem with the game boots up as it should but when i try to play it the bad guys won't show up i can hear their voices but no visuals i was wondering if you had any advice on how i may resolve this issue thanks so tim justin's got a problem here he's got a game where he's supposed to shoot bad guys and there's no bad guys. Well, that quite that creates quite a problem, doesn't it? <laughs> Especially if you can hear them and they're talking about That's you. Right. You know? That's right. That's so, right. To hear them yeah. and not see them is a, is a big problem. Apparently, it's gone from a shooting game to a taunting game, Tim, right. I think is what we can say. So, obviously here, Tim, probably having some board issues, right? Yeah, he's got some kind of, some kind of graphical type issues with his board. 
And that doesn't always mean send it off for repair right away. Right. We have a video on inspecting a board. Right. Sometimes some of that may be uh, worth looking into if there's socketed chips that you can reseed or clean and cleaning your edge connectors. Make sure your voltage is okay so that it's actually processing at the right speed and so forth but yeah you probably got some kind of board issue and you might have to get a send it in for repair or get another board and and one thing tim you know we see this a lot on street fighter boards that have been played a lot where the characters will be missing a lot of times that's because the rom chips actually fail so it can no longer read the graphics off the rom chips so like the programming's there and everything it just can't load the graphics that it needs to load for the characters and so that could be what's happening here a new set of rom chips might help but like tim mentioned probably best to start off with inspecting a board and then if it's not working maybe sending it off to one of our board repair folks for repair right tim yeah yeah and you guys can go to our resources page we have a list of board repair people on that page that you guys can check out Uh, but you know tim also lethal enforcers boards i mean you know things have kind of changed pricing wise but it seems like that's one of the more common boards you can get a hold of as well so it might not be too expensive to go ahead and just replace it with another board if you can find our lethal enforcers board around so yes. you know chris monroe probably has like what a dozen of those lying around somewhere so <laughs> you know yeah. something like that but anyway so yeah i mean probably a board issue here justin now tim something we always mention as well is always checking your power supply is important make sure your board is getting the right voltage because mm-hmm. that can cause weird issues like this but Assuming your power supply is in good shape, you're probably having a board issue of some sort, let's start with inspecting an arcade board, and if it doesn't work, might need to send that board off for a repair depending on what the issue is. So, Justin, hopefully it answers your question, and good luck getting your Lethal Enforcers game back up and running 100%. Hopefully those bad guys will come back so you can actually shoot them. Right, Tim? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Tim, let's go to Go Leafs 84720. I assume this is probably from uh, YouTube. Because usually that's how these come. And he says, I have a Lethal Enforcers machine that I recently picked up, and I see that the power supply has been in water and is ruined. So I'm going to swap it out. My question is, can I just buy a new switching power supply like the one in your video, or do I have to use the old PC-looking supply like the silver one in the video? Will it hurt? Well, Tim, I think the big thing here, obviously, his power supply is probably dead. I mean, like, it's gotten wet, it's ruined, it says, so you're probably in bad shape with the power supply. Yes, it does need to be replaced. Yes, you can replace it with probably either power supply, I'd imagine. Because Probably. because this game is not a heavy voltage amperage type game. I right. mean, this is not something like a driving game, for instance, that takes a lot of, you know, kind of like a lot of amps to really get uh, going. And so, you know, in this particular case, you could probably go with either one. But, Tim, I, I mean, I would suggest going with whatever is in there right now. What do you think? Exactly. Um, here's my opinion on, on a, lot of, a lot of things. And guys know me know that I have a lot of kind of everyday common knowledge just from working on games. I'm not a a rocket science game guy. You know, it's like if they had one in there, there's a reason why they had that one in there. Sure. Now, if it wasn't original or something, I could understand. I mean, your manual might help you there. Most of the time, I try to replace stuff with what it has. Right. It's kind of like that 7-amp fuse. Why'd they use a 7? Why not an 8? Why not a 6? I don't know. I don't care. I don't. <laughs> right. I really. I know that there's some technical, probably reading amps and all this kind of stuff. But to me, if it has a seven in there, I put a seven back in there. I try to right. close as I can. So that's just common ways that I work on stuff. So when it comes to power supplies, 
Uh, one thing that will help is, and you might, uh, a lot of people don't know this, have controls in their in their catalog has just page after page after page of what game and what power supply. If you That's call correct. them up, yes. also if you call them and say, I have this game, what's a recommended power supply for it? Uh, you might also Google, see if there was any... Uh, what do you call it, like upgrades or anything done where they kept having power supplies fail, maybe they went to a bigger... A bulletin, service bulletin. Yeah, service instance. bulletin. Right. Now, it's always better to have a few more amps, in my opinion, than not enough. Right. So, when in doubt, why not... I mean, Go with the big guy. <laughs> and, yeah, and the price is pretty much... I mean, these days... A little bit more expensive. Maybe. A little bit, 10 bucks. Yeah, but on, if you were 15. to go on eBay... Or right. something, or you don't have to have a new one either. You right. could probably go to your Goodwill or some somewhere and get one real reasonable. So if it had it in there, that's kind of my theory. I would go with... But if you have a different power supply, could you hook it up? Yeah, on, on this game in particular, like you're saying. Now, again, a game like Cruising or a game where there's a lot of graphics and a lot of processing, you are going to need that heavier power supply. ATX style, probably yeah. more preferable. But, you know, for most practical purposes, in this game in particular, the other kind would work just fine. Sounds, or should. Yeah, and I think so here, too. Now, I think it's a great suggestion, though, to go to the Suzo Hat page. Because if you guys do a search for Suzo Hat game parts and things, they do have a list of every recommended game part for pretty much every popular arcade game out there. I remember we had a San Francisco Rush, and uh, it had an ATX style, but it was like 100 amp. This was pretty old, you know. And it just, I seem like I'm going through power supplies, going through power supplies. I remember I called them up one day and they're like, well, you know, you really should put like a 300 watt power supply in there. And I was like, well, you know, okay. And they sent me one, I think it was a little bit different, maybe a little bit bigger, but it, man, never again. It was done, you know? And I think I went through two of those other ones. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, sometimes a little bit more amperage doesn't, usually doesn't hurt you at all. So go leaves eight four seven two zero. Hopefully answers your question. Yeah, I like, me the, else. I like the question. Yeah. I mean, I think it's a great question to ask and to be sure about. Yeah, on pretty much anything, especially stuff before the nineties, Tim, you can go with uh, you know basically a, a kind of a standard switching power supply because a lot of those games were not as demanding on power as some of the later games were. Pretty much anything, even mid nineties. But when we get into the later nineties, early two thousands, mid two thousands, I th- you know that's when we start to get I think a little bit more higher demand wattage on those power every supplies. atx style power supply has something the other ones don't a fan right that's true and that before they go out those fans usually go out that's true too and so that's a good thing to check on your games i see one that doesn't have a fan working i'll go ahead and get a power supply sometimes get it changed before it ever goes out right that's just one of the things that helps me a little bit Sounds good. So go Leafs 84720. Hopefully answers your question. And good luck getting your Lethal Enforcers machine back up and running. Now, Tim, one thing to think about, though, too, is probably the bottom of this Lethal Enforcers cabinet is probably rotted out a little bit, too, since the power supply was in water. Yeah. So he'll probably have to do a little bit of uh, water damage repair as well with that, I'd imagine. Probably so. On the cabinet. But anyway, moving on here, Tim. The next one we have is just OTG frames PHI. And I'm not sure exactly what that means, Tim, but we'll just read it like that. And he says, how do you make a one-eighth hole in plexiglass? Okay. I mean, you know, now, Tim, I think people are worried about cracking. Yeah, I think he actually means a one-and-one-eighth hole and for, maybe, like, a button. Right, exactly. That's what I was thinking, what too. we recommend. Not a, a one-eighth hole, I would use a drill. Right, a drill bit. Right. <laughs> but I think he means a one-and-one-eighth. Right. 
And we've talked about this, and we've shot a couple videos dealing with plexiglass. Uh, one thing that I that I like to do, and and have done a lot of lately, especially installing, uh, like we've had to do, I've had to drill. I have probably drilled 50 of these in the last month. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> so I'm going to speak with a little bit of experience here. To start off with a smaller drill bit, start off with a pilot hole. Right. And kind of go up, up a little bit. Now, preferably, my preference, and I've had, man, it's just like I have not cracked maybe one. I mean, just the step drill. Yeah, the step drill the bit. The step drill bit on that, but it's hard to find one big enough yes. for that one and one eighth. Yeah, because it's not, you can't find them at Harbor Freight, I don't think. So right. I looked one time. I don't and, think I found the one and one eighth. So, but you can get pretty, you can get a pretty big. I think you can get almost a, almost a one. Right. Which gets you kind of close if you dremel it out a little bit more. Right. If you're just really worried about cracking, man, that thing just seems to really cut through after you drill that pilot hole. Now, what we show in a video and what we like to do is the whole saw bit that we use. Just make sure that it's a good, really sharp one. Don't use a dull one or anything so that it'll cut through. And just take your time. Don't rush. Apply even pressure. Yes. That's the key. Like Tim mentioned, just don't push too hard down on it because then you will get it. I yeah, use... let the drill do the work. No, don't try to help it. Right. I actually drilled out some on my control panel here not too long ago on the plexiglass. And I just used a one inch and then I dremeled around the side, Tim. And that worked fine. A one inch uh, hole saw uh, worked perfectly. Now, I mean, you know, the one and one eighth, though, is really the key. If you can get that hole saw, which we have a link to on the website for that and everything. If you can get that, that works really well. And if you're doing plexiglass specifically, the step drill bit is really the thing that you want so now one thing i haven't had much luck with at all and, and some guys like them are those paddle bits yes for what we do they just have never either i'm i'm not very good at it or they just don't work very well i've had crack more with those and trying to use those i don't have very much luck with them anyway right but for what with the kind of stuff we do like drilling buttonholes and stuff is what we're probably talking about here uh, so I definitely recommend the whole saw. Make sure that's sharp. You also can spray some WD-40 or something right on, on the end, and that will help it kind of cut, but not it won't crack as bad. That's right. kind of a tip. I've also seen guys that have used the painters blue painters tape, right? Taped over it and drilled through that. They say that helps. I've never found that to be as helpful as just taking my time. I've also heard that running the drill backwards. Uh, with the hole saw mm -hmm. helps because it, it uh, instead of you know going down into it, it, it kind of forces you to ease up on it. I guess a uh -huh. little bit. I've never done that either, but I've just heard that people do that. And right then I'm course. saying to use a brand new sharp bit. Sometimes I've had just as much luck with a dull bit, John, because it's just sitting there spinning and burning the right. plexi, <laughs> yeah. and it doesn't crack as bad when it does that. So it's a it's a little bit of uh, just take your time. Like you said, I think the main thing is applying even pressure. But we have shot some videos on this, so be sure. As I think we did it on installing a control panel. Or installing a button, I think. Installing a push button. And then there's one, of course, on actually drilling holes in plexiglass. Yes. Need so. to watch those videos. They are, are helpful. And uh, by all means, I don't think we've found a 100% foolproof method yet. But it seems like the last out of the 12 holes I'm cutting, the number 12 one will crack. <laughs> That's but, right. <laughs> but we have also been very successful doing it this way on many, many and not cracking at all. So uh, this is a, kind of our best 
best guess and our best uh, advice. Yeah, step drill bit I think is really the best thing, and it's amazing too because if you have the plexi, like let's say on a control panel where you've already drilled the holes, mm-hmm. that step drill bit will stop when it gets to the right size automatically because yeah. it'll fill in the hole, and once the hole's filled in, it just stops. Right. And so it's beautiful. You can go zoom, 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 and just basically hit all of them if you've already drilled the holes on your control panel or you put the plexi on the top of the control right. panel. So it works really well like that. So and that's how I usually do it, Tim. We don't we don't usually we drill the holes in the control panel, then in the plexi. We usually don't try yeah, to do don't, it all don't try at to once. Do bo- yeah, don't right. try to do them both at once. Yeah. Never done that before. Wouldn't recommend it. Right. So uh, it, it, some people may Maybe say it works Maybe the pilot great. hole, I could do, you could do that, but right. I would not. I wouldn't try it. Yeah. So uh, probably better to stick to that method, Tim. I think if you do, you'll be in good shape. So just OTG frames PHI hopefully answers your question. Like Tim mentioned, we like to use the step drill bit. That's our main tool. Of course, a good old-fashioned hole saw works too, Tim. Haven't mm-hmm. had a lot of luck with the paddle bits, but you may. I don't know. Running the drill backwards might help you. Blue painter's tape might help you. I mean, there's a lot of different methods. But in our preference, we like the step drill bit probably the best. So hopefully answers your question. Good luck drilling those holes in your plexiglass. Okay, Tim, let's move to Tony. And Tony says, is it safe to touch the neck board without discharging the monitor? Well, this is one of those I would almost say is a trick question. Okay. If I say it is, right. and you get shocked, then you're going to wonder why I tell you to say So always discharge your monitor. <laughs> That's right, exactly. I mean, kind of, this is kind of goes Air into Air on the side of safety. Yeah, why risk it? Right. Okay, because it's so easy to discharge a monitor, why risk it? Having said that... Do I most of the time? No, I, I normally don't because especially if your monitor, a lot of neck boards will have a piece of plastic or something right. around. I'm very careful now. Remember all those solder joints or points where, especially you get near the where the neck actually plugs in. Right. You, I have been shocked by one, but it's not quite the shock that I've got in other areas. Like a flyback, for instance. Yes. Uh, so... Is it safe? Really not. You really should discharge your monitor. I mean, why risk it? Right. We're not talking about it's not a surgical procedure or something that takes hours. It takes two seconds. Go ahead and discharge it and then do it. Uh, by all means, you know, I, I would put error on the side of caution on this one. Always, Tim. I think that's always a good, a good bet for anybody. Always err on the side of caution. And Tony, yes, you should definitely discharge your monitor if you're going to touch the neck board. Just... You know, like Tim mentioned, you could probably get away without doing it, but do you really want to risk the chance of getting shocked? I mean, I know a lot of people that that's why that suction cup, the anode up there, has uh, rubber around it. They just grab it and undo it. Right. I mean, you can do that, but why? Right. <laughs> you know? It's You're going like, to risk it. Exactly. exactly. Why risk it? Why risk it? That's why we show you how to discharge it. So then, And it also takes away that little bit of hesitation or fear that you might have. Absolutely. So, Tony, hopefully that answers your question. And please discharge your monitors before messing with the neck board and save yourself a a, a shockingly good time. (laughs) Okay, Tim, let's move to Anonymous. They didn't leave their name. They just left a question. And they said, hi, how do you discharge an arcade monitor to remove the chassis if you don't have a chassis cage for it? The board is only attached to a wooden board. Do you need to remove the wooden board in order for the chassis to be removed? Now, Tim, I'm I'm not sure exactly what he... I, I see what he's talking about. Yeah. Basically, it sounds like the chassis is mounted to a wooden board, which probably means it's screwed into that wooden board. Probably so, and what we must show is attaching it to the part of the cage itself. Exactly. So, 
its question is, how do you discharge one? Well, you do it the same way, but you can't hook. When do you, you can't go, go to the hook? frame? Right. Yeah, you can't go to that frame. I would go to some other place. Um, you could go to a grounding screw. Yes. Might be a good place to go. Uh, you could go to uh, any kind of ground point. I would think Tim would be good. I mean, uh-huh. so if you wanted to do that, of course, uh, you know. But I, I mean, you could really do it. I mean, it's not that big a deal. I wouldn't think. So I understand what he's saying, though. Without the cage, you really don't have anywhere to clip, right? Right. Just run a longer clip. Run it all the way down to wherever you can. Like I said, a, a, a safe earth ground yeah that you need like i said you have a lot of times you have those those screws that have like three grounds attached to them or something like Mm -hmm. that those are really good obviously for that kind of stuff so i mean if you want to do that you could and then his second half of his question here tim is he says it's only attached that wooden board do i need to remove the wooden board in order for the chassis to be removed not necessarily if it's screwed into the wood but it may be easier right I mean, it depends on, I think it depends on how hard it is to remove the board versus how hard it is to undo the chassis from the board, right? Right. I mean, whichever one's the harder of the two would probably be the one I would avoid. <laughs> so, right. you know, if it's easier to remove just the board and the chassis and pull the whole thing out, then I'd do that. And you just don't see this very often. It, it sounds almost kind of ghetto. Like, I don't know that, I don't know if it was meant to be on purpose or just somebody being lazy right. or what. You just really don't see that very often. Now, we've seen, I think we've seen setups where there's a wooden board that Chessie's attached to, and then it has like a metal frame that kind of goes up to the, on the sides, and, and then the frame goes around the chassis, but the, or, or goes around the tube, but the chassis is actually attached to a wooden board. But even in that case, you would be able to clip to a part of the frame. Yeah, you know, you there's still think, a metal part of the frame there. Yeah, you'd think there would still be some frame coming around the tube. There's got to be something to hold the tube in place. I mean, it's got to be holding to something, right? So, I mean, right. yeah, uh, you'd think that the frame would be it. But, yeah, I mean, definitely he can gl- ground to one of those screws. And if it's easier to take out the wooden board, Tim, take out the wooden board with the chassis. If it's easier to leave the wooden board in there and take out the chassis, just take out the chassis kind of thing. I think eventually you will have to remove the chassis from the wooden board regardless if you're going to work on it, though. Right. I mean, that is something to keep in mind. It may be easier to do that outside of the cabinet though than it would be to do it inside the cabinet depending on how it's mounted so uh, Tim anything else you want to say about Anonymous's question here? No um, a picture probably would have really helped with that one just so we could have looked at it and right. said oh you could have clipped it here or whatever but but anyway, thank you for writing in, and hope we helped you somewhat. Sounds good. So hopefully it answers your question and good luck getting that monitor chassis out of your arcade cabinet Okay Tim, let's move to Edmund And he says, hey guys, I have a question that I would greatly appreciate your input on. I recently got a used Wells Garner 4900 monitor and did the typical cap slash upkeep. When I installed it into my Crystal Castles, the horizontal adjust is doing nothing in terms of shrinking the picture to allow it to fit in the frame. Meanwhile, the vertical adjust works fine. Any thoughts on what this is and how to fix it? Thanks. So, Tim, we have Edmund here. He has a Wells Garner 4900 in a Crystal Castles cabinet. Now, he's done his cap kit. Sounds like everything's working pretty well, except for his horizontal adjustment. He just cannot get that horizontal adjust to work properly. And he says in terms of shrinking the picture. So, we're talking about probably horizontal width that he's mm-hmm. actually having the problems with. So, what are your thoughts on this, and how would you fix it? Well, the width coils do go bad. Yes. And so, I would uh, definitely try to adjust it. If that didn't work, Bob Roberts sells like a horizontal width width kind of kit that has some of those caps uh, that's not in his cap kit. And uh, a coil. Polypropylene. Yeah, polypropylene caps. uh, You know, I always joke they kind of look like chiclets. Right. 
and or gum, you know those those caps. <laughs> and so I would start there. That's where I would I would work in that section. You also triple check your soldering and everything on the caps that you did do. Make sure that you didn't get one backwards or that soldering didn't flow over and to touch something else like that. It doesn't say the condition before you did the cap kit. Right. See, it's kind of like, was this always a problem or did this happen after you did the cap kit? That If it happened afterwards, that kind of tells you, well, the problem could be user error a little <laughs> bit there. Right. Or was this always a problem and it didn't fix it, then you might need to go on and I would try to rebuild that horizontal width coil, whatever Bob sells for that kit for that. Sounds good, Tim. So, Edmund, hopefully that gives you some good ideas on how to fix the width issue with your game. Like Tim mentioned, you might try adjusting the horizontal width coil, which we do have a video on and you can check out. Uh, You will need a horizontal width kit uh, to adjust that. We do recommend that. Don't do it with an Allen wrench, Tim. I think we've mentioned that before. Right. Get the width kit, adjustment kit. Uh, it's very, very nice. TV alignment toolkit. That's really yes. what I want, want to say. And it's linked to in that article, so you, got, okay. you can find it. So if you look up adjusting horizontal width coil, you'll find it. Also, Tim mentioned getting a horizontal width kit that has a different type of cap kit in it that may help you with your width as well. And it sounds like, hopefully, if he does those things, Tim, he might get it up and running. So, And again, double-checking his uh, cap kit, making sure everything went well with that. Yeah, and well, check right. his soldering where it's coming in to the board and his pot. Uh, we could mention that too. You know, you could have a bad pot. I would reflow the solder on the back of that pot. Sounds good. So, Edmund, hopefully it answers your question. And good luck getting your, your Wells Garner 4900 monitor back up and running 100%. Okay, Tim, let's go to Chris. And Chris says, hey guys, love your site and all the useful info. On one of my light gun games, Extreme Hunting, there's not even a flash showing on the screen when the trigger is pulled. I replaced the sensor board, but I still get nothing. Any ideas? Many thanks, Chris. Okay, Tim. Well, Chris did probably the one thing that we would recommend doing first. He actually replaced the sensor board in his Extreme Hunting game in one of his guns. But the gun, for some reason, is still not registering a trigger pull, it sounds like. Right. Okay, so what could this be? Why are we not getting a trigger pull from the gun, even though we replaced the sensor board? Yeah, normally you have the opposite. You'll get a flash, but nothing really happening. Right. No reticle on the screen or whatever. let you know that uh, I recognize you pulled the trigger. Exactly. So he can go into his settings and make sure that that switch is working. There should be some switch settings, and you can do that. And like an I.O. check or something like that. Now remember that all gun sensors and so forth, they run, they have to have voltage up there. So, makes you could have a problem if there's a chip right underneath your where your guns plug in. Have you swapped them and seen it? See if it, it goes to player one gun. Neither gun works. So then basically, you, as a way almost to check the harnesses, right? Yes, check your check your harnesses that right. way. Because if the, the if the problem goes over with the secondary gun, like if you swap it to player two and it's still not registering a trigger pull, it's probably it's got to be something in the right. wiring harness because we replaced the sensor says, board. One of my light guns isn't working. We'll right. switch them. Right. That way, you'll know if it's in that gun still. So if it's in that gun and it's not your sensor board, well, you could have a. Um, you know, do all the things that we show in our video about like could be a problem the with the switch. Well, it could be a problem with the switch. But it on the could trigger. just be a, a tr- bad trigger switch, bad wiring, or a bad wiring. Make sure you got voltage going up there. Uh, or it could be if it does if it stays with that side, then it could be a problem with your board. And usually, there's some chips in that area, right below where the board uh, guns plug in, that you can change out, and that may help. So, a couple things to check there still. 
couple things could be, but it could just simply be a bad trigger or I've had problems putting the guns back together and the trigger not be lined up just right and right. it actually not making contact. Sure. One of the, like I said, started off by saying you need to go into your uh, systems check and do a IO check or whatever a switch test and see if that's actually registering when you do it there. Sounds good. And Tim, we also have a video on troubleshooting light gun issues that Chris should probably check out too to make sure that he's double-checked all those steps as well. For sure. But I think if he follows what you gave him here, Tim, I think he'll be at least further along the troubleshooting line. Hopefully he'll figure out exactly what's going on. But it really sounds like it could be either a wiring issue of some sort, something wrong with the actual trigger switch on the gun, or perhaps even something wrong with his uh, extreme hunting board, right, Tim? I mean, that's that's kind of the extreme, no pun intended, the extreme right. part of the, the issue. That could be the the whole problem so uh, but probably one of those three things at this point hopefully with a little bit of troubleshooting he can narrow it down and then fix the issue from there tim anything else for chris before we move on no i think that covers chris well good luck with that chris sounds good so chris hopefully answers your question and good luck getting that light gun working on that extreme hunting arcade cabinet okay tim let's move to jim and jim says hi Today I got a centipede game. I was told that it worked eight years ago. I got it home and no power. I am not very good at this kind of stuff. Please help me out. I will FaceTime you if necessary. (laughs) Thanks, Jim. So, Tim, the game was working when it was new, right? right. The game was working right. eight years ago, at least. It worked and, off the factory floor, I guess. Yeah, I've got a lot of stuff that's, that is not working that was wor- working eight years ago. You right. know, I have a computer sitting right here on the table that was probably working <laughs> eight years ago. But, you know, it's amazing, Tim, what happens in eight years. Think about all sure. the stuff that happened in your life in eight years. Of course, there's always a possibility, Tim, that something could have happened. And as we all know from listening to this podcast for the last 58 episodes, Tim, when we move games, bad things happen, right? For sure. We should put a bumper sticker. That should... <laughs> Especially if you live in Texas and That's right. drive down any bumpy road. Okay, so we have the Centipede game. It worked eight years ago. It's got no power. Where does he start, Tim? He's not good with this kind of stuff. Well, if you'll watch our videos, we've got a lot of videos. We, we say this a lot. Always start at power. Absolutely. So we're going to make sure it could be something simple as a kill switch. It could be an on-off button that you don't know about. Uh, or something like that. So we're going to start at power. Once you know you've got power, going into your power supply section. Uh, on the AR board there, there are several test points. If you learn how to use a meter and test those, watch our videos on that. Checking a classic power supply is probably the one you need to check the most. It yes. talks a little bit about this. Now, so. once we know that you're getting some kind of power... You know, John, if, if we went to an auction... And we'll 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 rabbit chase here just for a second. There were ten games, and they were all ten of them were uh, let's say Pac-Man games, and they all had various kinds of garbled on the screen. Uh, you know, monitor won't play in blind. This you got the one down there that won't come on at all. Which one am I bidding on? <laughs> the one that won't come on at all. Exactly. If but, it's complete, <laughs> yeah. If it's com- if it's complete, you're you're correct. The reason why is because. Those usually are the easier fixes. Most of the time, it's just a bad power supply or a fuse is blown or some other wiring issue or something like that. So that's where we start. We start with the power and we start tracing it from the wall all the way through and see where there's the power quits. And that will help you sometimes. So be sure we're not going to go into this much, much deeper because... We are starting basic here, but watch our videos. We got a lot of videos out there on basic troubleshooting, things like that. 
that you need to check out. And checking a classic power supply sim, especially, I think will help. and there yeah. are yeah, exactly, and there are rebuild kits for the AR boards in Atari games. And mm-hmm. so a lot of times if you're not getting the correct voltage off your AR board, you do need to probably install a rebuild kit on it. Which is not terrible, Tim. It's pretty uh-huh. easy. I mean, it's no different than a cap kit or anything else. So You know, I was... He said, mention FaceTime. I was actually on the phone with somebody and they, had, they were really upset because they bought this Pac-Man game and we're going through all these checks and everything. I said... Then all of a sudden I said, did you take the back door off? And they said, yeah. I said, go to the back door... You see this white thing? It's a push it in. They push it in. The game comes on. Oh wow! It's fixed it. You know, a lot of people just don't know that kill you know, kill switch. There's a lot of things that, but setting up for eight years, a lot of things can go can go wrong too. So let's let's start at the power and check our power supply. Check. Make sure you're getting bored. Make sure you get monitor net glow. All that kind of good stuff. Check your fuses and things, but. We got tons of videos that help with these particular things, so we're going to refer you to those and uh, hope that you can get that game fixed so soon. Hopefully, it is something easy. Sounds good. So, Jim, hopefully, it answers your question. Like Tim mentioned, let's check out some of our videos, especially that one on checking a classic power supply, so you can get kind of familiar with the process, and then. Make sure you check the test points on your AR board. Make sure that you're getting good voltage into it and out of it. And if you're not, it may be time to do a rebuild kit or do some other troubleshooting to the board. So, Jim, hopefully that answers your question. And good luck getting that Centipede game up and running like it was working in, what would that be, Tim, uh, 2006. Yes. (laughs) We're going to play Centipede like it's 2006, Tim. That's exactly what we're going to do. So, Jim, hopefully answers your question, and good luck getting that Centipede game up and running. So, Tim, am I allowed to break the rules since this is our last official podcast? (laughs) Let's talk about auctions real quick. So, I forgot at the beginning that I went to an auction. Yeah. Our good friend David, who has American Amusement Auctions, they actually had their first auction back after four or five years, something like that. And so uh, we went, I went with a buddy of mine, and he ended up buying two games, one of which had a LCD screen in it. I thought, oh, it's a nice LCD screen, everything. Well, turned out we got it home and the screen didn't come on. Somebody had put a TV instead of like a commercial grade LCD in the game. They had mm-hmm. actually stripped out a Dell monitor because it starts up, it boots up with this Dell logo. Okay. They had taken a Dell monitor out of a housing, put it in the game, and it's about the same size as like a Wells Garner like full LCD. It fits the cabinet almost perfectly. Wow. But the problem is that now he has to take off his bezel glass and hit the power button every time he wants to play. Wow. So and it's getting a little bit of feedback like it's not grounded properly too. So I don't know if these people knew what they were doing or it could have been one of those things where we're just getting it working for the auction. Right. Good news, though, is that he has a nice working Blitz 99 board. So, I mean, that's at least working. And, I mean, the cabinet's a nice generic dynamo that he could do all sorts of stuff with. The second thing was he bought, like, an extreme hunting, deer hunting type game. And it worked at the auction. We get it home... Nothing, screen doesn't come on at all. We start hitting the side of the cabinet and it starts jumping. <laughs> so probably a loose solder joint somewhere. It turns out it's a Cortec monitor, Tim. Oh, wow. So we already, we already ordered the... Mm-hmm. I said, let's just go ahead and do the cap kit on it while we've got it out. So we're going to do the cap kit. I'll go over it. I'll make sure to touch up all the solder points. I really do think it's just a loose solder connection, Tim. I think it'll be back up and running. But guys... 
whole point of this story, you never know what you're going to get when you go to an auction, Tim. You literally never know. You think you're getting working, good games, then you get home, and both the games you got have various issues that you didn't know about. So always be cautious when buying games, Tim. I don't know if it's just at auctions even. You yeah, know? really. I mean... Know what you're buying. Right, you, know what you're and buying. And bid accordingly. Don't overbid ever for an right. auction and, game. And to be honest with you, he got... Both these, I thought, for a pretty good price. I mean, it's not right. like these were... I mean, he didn't spend, you know, thousands of dollars on these things. I mean, they were reasonably priced. Uh, even with auction fees, I felt like he got two good deals. And so, I mean, it's not as big a hassle when you get some good deals. But at the same time, it's one of those things where you're like, really? Come on, guys. You couldn't put, like, a real LCD in here. You couldn't have fixed this small little issue with this monitor before you, you sold it or whatever the case may be. So... Buyer beware. What's For that sure. um, caveat emptor or whatever it is? I, right. My Latin is terrible. So, um, <laughs> yeah. Let the buyer beware, regardless. So, there you go. Uh, but there's my story, Tim. So, now we're moving on. We're moving on with the next question. But I did want to get those in there while you brought up the auction points. So. Okay. Okay, Tim. Let's move to Mike. And Mike says, I have a California speed game that just stopped working. No sound, no lights, nothing. I've replaced the power supply, but still have nothing. Any thoughts would be appreciated. Thanks. So, Tim, we've got Mike here. He's got a California speed, a newer style driving game. Okay, and he's replaced the power supply, but he still is getting absolutely positively nothing from the game. Yeah, no boot again, up, no lights, no nothing. Yeah, I mean, again, this is that game at auction that I would be bidding on, right? right. Because <laughs> we have no lights. Right. That means we're not even getting AC power. Right. Normally that's not a power supply problem. So really uh, look at your wiring. And some of them have where the plug comes in the back, they'll have a fuse down there. That is correct. They're kind of hidden and you have to know how to open that up. Make sure you unplug it when you do that. I would be checking wiring and fuses uh, all throughout, making sure get a meter. Are you getting power at your new power supply? Is your power supply turning on? Well, if you're not even getting power there, then go backwards. Very rare, super rare, I have seen those filters, uh, AC filter, go bad and not right. work uh, once. I've seen that, I think. But So you got to use a meter. Don't trust your eyes and everything else. Trust your meter. Get the meter out and start tracing it all the way down. You know, I've worked on a game one time. I, I, I looked at every everything in the world. I, I could not figure out why this game died and realized my breaker had fl- flipped. Right. You know, I mean, it's like I had no power at the wall. Right. So, you know, always think, always start at power, start at the wall, and go all the way through find where it stops and that hey, your issue really anytime you're not getting anything Tim like you're getting no lights no sound no yeah. anything a lot of times it's an AC pro- yeah and you problem. could just and I've seen that be just a bad cord yep and so you know where the cord plugs in check it there and so a lot of times seen that it's could a, be a bad socket a bad... where the cord plugs in exactly it could be all so. sorts of stuff Really check that from the wall. I'm serious. Start start at the wall all the way through, and uh, you'll find eventually where that power is stopping is where your problem is. Sounds good. So, Mike, hopefully that answers your question. Like Tim mentioned, it's probably an AC issue here, so check your plug. Check all basically everything between your DC power supply and the wall, and make sure that you've got good AC voltage going all the way through there so that you are actually getting power to the rest of your game, and I think you'll be in good shape. Mike, hopefully answers your question. Good luck getting that California speed up and running. Okay, Tim, let's move to Andy. And Andy says, Hi, hoping someone can help. 
our arcade machine with 1500 games stopped working. A guy came out to fix it and charged me $600 and one month later it doesn't work again and the guy won't hold up his warranty. When I turn it on, everything works fine until I load a game and then after one minute it turns off. Any ideas? It's an older machine. Whew. Mm -hmm. Tim. $600, $600, that's a big charge. Yeah. That's a lot of money. That is. So I don't know if he now, I guess if he replaced the board, that wouldn't be so bad, you know. But, man, if all he did was come in and, like, unplug something or plug in something that was unplugged or something like that, man, that's a easy $600 on his part, right? Yeah, it is. $600 is a lot of money, but it really does depend on what the repair was to right. begin if with. Right, he put a new monitor in there. And, you know, Tim, something we always do on our receipts is we itemize. We show you, okay, I had to buy a new board. This is how much the board cost. I had to buy a new wiring. This is how much the wiring costs. This is what my labor cost is, and this is what it was. Okay, so if you put on there, new 1501 board, you know, $450, his labor charge might not be as outrageous as what this guy's making it sound, right? Yeah. I mean, it really depends on what the guy did. We really don't know what this guy did. And it doesn't sound like the guy told him, And you notice that it kind of comes on, then it shuts off. Right. And that, to me, we're going back to the power supply issue where maybe he doesn't have the right kind of high enough amp power supply in there. Exactly. And maybe all the guy did was replace whatever was in there with what it was. Right. Instead of so actually going higher. this may be where it needs to be a bigger power exactly. supply. Exactly. Exactly. I'm with you. And so, yeah, in this particular case, Tim, especially with these but multi-game 1500 boards. 1500. Right, because a, t- a lot of these multi-game boards are PC-based. Yeah. And so with PC-based games, you always want to have more wattage, more amperage than what you think you'll need because a lot of times they will pull it down. So, so he needs to read his power. If it is his power supply, maybe it's time to upgrade to a little bit, a little heftier one. Exactly. So if he's using a standard switching power supply, maybe let's go to an ATX style. If he's at an ATX style, maybe going with something with a higher wattage instead. Exactly. So, I mean, that's really what it sounds like he needs to do first. Because it sounds like the game, like you said, the game is coming on. It's right. just when it tries to load a game, it And goes no wonder on. the guy came and fixed it and put a new power supply in it, probably, like you said, similar, and it worked fine for a month. Sure. Then, but then it's not able to handle that. Now, six hundred dollars for just a new power supply, though, it's a little high. A little high. <laughs> so, but, but we don't know. Yeah, I mean, you know gotta, exactly. I mean, he could have replaced the board for all we know. But if he's just doing the power supply, that does seem a little on the heavy side. Uh, Tim, I think I charge um, a little, probably yeah at least two hundred dollars less than that to do a new yeah. power supply. But you know, at the same time, you know, if you don't know what you're doing and you need to find somebody to repair it, you know, it's hard to find people to repair. So I mean, I don't blame this guy for making a little money. He should buy our DVDs. It's a lot cheaper. That's right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you can get all of our our DVDs for uh, for a, less than a hundred dollars. He could have saved himself five hundred at, at least. So. At least. So there you go. But, Tim, I mean, there's a lot of people, like we mentioned, that charge a lot of money to fix games. And that's why we're here, Tim, is to help people fix their own games and to get familiar with it. And so, yeah, Tim, I'm with you. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking power supply here. Maybe we just need to get something with a little bit higher wattage. ATX style is probably going to be the best bet. Now, the only thing here, Tim, is it might require quite a bit of skill if he's got, like, a standard switching power supply and he wants to replace it with an ATX style. That might take a little bit of wiring, you know, configuration on his right. part, which he may not be comfortable with. So, I mean, if you're not, though, highly recommend, like Tim mentioned, getting our DVDs, reading our blog posts, watching our YouTube videos, and that will hopefully get you up to speed on what you need to know about wiring power supplies. Yeah. If nothing else, 
go to your local YMCA and make some nerd friends. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I think uh, anybody who's built a computer know. in their time period could probably figure out how to match the wires up. I'm probably just thinking. So. so, you know, that, like you said, make some make some friends. Go to your local <laughs> college, get an engineering <laughs> student, whatever the case may be, you know. Yeah. I, you, you, know, we you laugh, need somebody but... young and hungry. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, who's eating ramen all the time. You see, right. you need that guy, and then you just pay him a steak dinner, man, you're done. So. Right. <laughs> what were you going to say, Tim? I just thought, you know, uh, talk to your local uh, high school shop or somewhere and say, hey, here's this problem, here's what i got to do, and you'd be surprised what somebody would be willing to fix your game for nothing. That's right. That's, that's very true. Yeah, exactly. So, But I think we're on the right path here with Andy, Tim. It does sound more like a power supply issue. Of course, Andy, if you have any questions, feel free to contact us. We'll be more than willing to help you out further but tim power supply does sound like the culprit here so hopefully if you get maybe even a stronger power supply than what you have you can get this problem uh solved so andy good luck with your 1501 uh cabinet and hopefully you can get it working 100 percent. okay tim let's move to nick and nick says how do i go about selling a 1981 atari tempest cabinet to the right person for a good price I've posted on Facebook before about this Tempest machine that I saved from the curb. I'm pretty sure I need to sell it because I'm moving. I don't want to sell it to someone who won't take proper care of it, first of all. Second, I want to know how to determine what a fair price is. Thoughts? So, Tim, this is a pretty good question. I like these mm-hmm. kind of non... This is kind of non-repair related, but more hobby related, right? right? I've got this cool Tempest cab, basically is what Nick, Nick says, and I want to sell it to a collector, and I want to get a good amount for it. Okay, well, the good, the good news is that those things usually go kind of hand in hand, right? Collectors a lot of times will pay a little bit more if it's a piece that they're looking for versus an average person who may not be willing to part with as much money if they're not as familiar with Tempest, let's say. Right. And especially since Tempest is a color vector game, Tim, which is something a lot of people are searching for. Mm -hmm. So what is your advice here to Nick on how to get rid of this Tempest cabinet and get it into the right hands of the right person for the right price. Well, he uses Facebook, so I would find out if there are any arcade collecting groups in his area. Right. Or or especially in a bigger town, maybe that's nearby or something. He didn't tell us where he was from. Even posting on our Facebook page or Arcade Collectors Worldwide or something would give him more exposure. But be realistic. You said you saved it from the curb, so you don't have a lot into it. Right. That's so right. Don't, don't, be, that, yeah. that's, don't tell people that you saved it from the curb exactly. and then expect to get like a lot of money And for don't it, right? be greedy. If right. you really want somebody to take it and take good care of it, then offer it up for a fair price. Right. And fair price, maybe four or $500 or something, where you can easily sell it. But I wouldn't try to get premium price. You know, I mean, unless it is just pristine and perfect and working flawlessly, I'm with you. Yeah. Yeah. Otherwise, you're just going to get somebody calling you and saying, hey, it broke down after a week or something. You exactly. Know? So know who your sales are. So let us know where you live and maybe we can connect you up with some people. Or, you know, even posting on our Facebook page would probably probably help. But, you know, I, I understand this dilemma. But at the same time, so where are you moving that this is not a priority? <laughs> That's right. Maybe maybe he's moving in, out of a house into an apartment. You don't ever know. Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you got to eat, right? You can right. eat on a Tempest. That's true. Or you can or <laughs> you run inside of yeah. it. It's a great table. Right. I mean, seriously, you know, it, it don't take up that much room. Uh, so... <laughs> 
Hopefully, but I mean, you got a relative or a good friend maybe that could keep it. You know, somebody who could store it in their garage. You obviously for time care being. about it, so maybe somebody that would uh, would would care as much as you. You know, so make a friend or somebody would keep it for you for a little while. You may be going off to college or whatever the situation is. You know, it'd be good to see if you care about it. Then maybe you should keep it. Right. But there may not be many people in your area that care yeah. <laughs> enough to take good care of it. So if you do now, maybe you can come back around to it and take good care of it. Yeah, and I'm with Tim here, Nick. Definitely need to post and price on the Facebook groups, but also KLOV, Tim, would probably be a really great yeah. place to post. Uh, you know, some of the, and maybe Reddit has like an arcade form as well. Some I know of those some people that would places. travel to the next state if it was a good deal on Tempest. Absolutely, you know? absolutely. Tempest is one of those games, Tim, because it's a color vector game, a little bit more rare. If you're in you Texas, to get, give us a, a call. Right. <laughs> hard to get. Texas, Louisiana, Arkansas, Mississippi. Arklatex. There you go. But yeah, I mean, it's one of those games, Tim. That's kind of hard to come by now. It seems yeah. like we don't oh, see yeah. nearly as many Tempest. I miss mine. To. I'd really yeah. love to have a Tempest again. So. Still a great game, but you know those vector monitors, Tim. It's just they're not going to make any more, and, and you know it's just tough to. They're not tough to fix necessarily, mm-hmm. but you know sometimes they can be tough to keep running. So right. it's something to think about. But yeah, I think for Nick's point though, he needs to find a collector and then give that collector probably a little bit below what a market value would be for that so he can get it into what he considers the right hands right yeah uh but tim i'm with you why not just keep it you know i mean if you're if you're worried about somebody getting it you know and trashing it or doing something to it or you're not getting enough money for it it sounds like a great opportunity for you to keep it and maybe even stash it at a friend's yeah, house even or even if you had to pay a, you get a really small storage unit for 25 dollars a month or something, you know, right. maybe you got some other stuff you could put in there and it yeah. make it worth the time. Just an idea. There you go. So, Nick, I think that's our thoughts on it. Tim, is there anything else you want to add to, to this? This is kind of an interesting one, be, you know. Be real interested to hear some feedback on this later to see what he did with it. There you go. So. <laughs> Sounds good. So keep us updated, Nick, on what you did, what you decided to do with your Atari Tempest cabinet. Uh, hopefully it either goes to a good home or it stays with you, Tim. I, I think I'm going to say that right there. But I don't think it'll be hard to find a good buyer for a nice tempest cab especially if it's working and and you're in an area that you know you've got a couple of collectors in so hopefully answers your question keep us updated let us know what happens to that atari tempest cabinet and tim this is our last question our last question right here and it comes from scott and scott says this question should be right up your alley and tim i have a feeling he made a pun and i'll tell you why what is the best way to clean the alley and back hole board of a skee-ball game i recently acquired a model h and the rust colored alley and hole board are near black with filth i have cleaned it several times with gentle cleaners but i've only seen marginal improvement can the mat be replaced and do you know the paint code for the burgundy wood paint Thank you for all the help. Love your show. Can't wait to hear the new voices, Scott. So Scott's already been listening to the podcast because he knows that there's new people coming. So, But guess what, Scott? You snuck in, man. Last question. Look at that. The last question. Right. The last question. It's amazing. So, well, at least arcade related. We'll talk about that here in a second. So, Tim, obviously, this is probably an area you have quite a bit of experience in, considering you have how many skee-ball lanes at Chucky? Uh, We have currently six. But uh, there are alley rollers, which were made by ICE. But, uh, of course, we've had ski balls, and I've worked on uh, original. Uh, go up to Paris, they got ice balls, they got ski balls, they got uh, Baytech games. So, uh, ski ball was recently sold yes. to, to Baytech games. That's correct. So, if you go to Baytech's website, they may sell 
Just, uh, but I will tell you this much: that those back uh, pieces are very expensive. A lot of them. Yes. So you can recarpet those or carpet over those with some matting of some sort, and you're just going to have to get creative and find that. What do you usually use? We Tim? have. Um, well, our home office sold the lane matting is actually uh, good for that. Like the, like it's a lot cheaper to buy the lane matting than it is to buy the background matting. It has a lot of uh, stuff, but if you can get a hold of lane matting on a different kind of alley roller or, or Duncan Alien or something, uh, you can usually get that pretty reasonable, and that works good. But for cleaning-wise, there's hardly anything that beats just a, a, a good degreaser, Lawton loves simple green. Uh, lately, we have found. Uh, have you ever used Awesome? No, you never buy heard of it, it at Dollar General at a dollar store. It's called Awesome, and it's pretty awesome. <laughs> and it, it has it. Uh, it's a really good cleaner. Really, just you know, getting down with a, a, a something that foams up and some foaming bubbles and some scrub brush. I mean, you just got to get some elbow grease into it. Magic eraser again, like I said. Uh, helps especially on the white areas but as far as that back there goes best look i've had is uh i like that awesome stuff we also use a degreaser that seems to uh help out quite a bit very nice so, so um, it does come to the point where you have to replace it and he asked do i have the paint codes no i do not burgundy wood you're really talking classic ski balls that's there. right you can just get some paint swatches and try to match it up that way Go to Lowe's or Home Depot or somewhere, and they have thousands of them. I should mention, I'm a huge Sherwin-Williams fan, and right. when they run a sale, they run that 35 or 40% off, that's the time to buy But it. if you call Baytech, they are now the owner. They may have the actual paint code. If they have it, they'll give it to you, I'm wow. pretty sure. So I would call, tell them I'm refurbishing this game, especially if they think they could sell you some parts for it later. They probably would give you that paint code if they have it. Wow, sounds good, Tim. I mean, it sounds like Baytech is really taking the skee ball people seriously because skee ball is a—I mean, it's been a name brand for years and years and years. Yeah, and they were really almost honored, I guess, to be able to purchase and keep that name brand going. And Baytech, I always have good luck with them. If you've never called Baytech and heard a dog bark, you'll know what I'm talking. About. <laughs> it, it's just funny. It, if if the people are laughing that have called them and know what I'm talking about, call Baytech and hear a dog bark. Do you do? But, would you happen to have their number? Well, it's just BaytechGames.com. 920-822-3951. Look at that. Just right off. He didn't even have to look at his phone. He already had it memorized, guys. So you want to give that a little bit slower, though, so everybody can write it down. 920-322-3951. And is their website Baytech Games? Baytech Games. Dot com. Dot com or Baytech Game. It's games. Baytech, B-A-Y-T-E-K, games.com. Okay, sounds good. So, And they are the new owners of Skee-Ball. So if you are gonna, if you need help with your Skee-Ball game, they're the people to call. So, Tim, you're saying simple, green, or awesome for cleaning everything. That's yeah, what you would say? We also have like an orange degreaser that I really yeah, like Yeah, I've seen there. those, like orange glow or yeah. whatever it is. I've seen some of those, too. So I understand that. You know, he says gentle cleaners. Uh, you're thinking he's going to need something a little bit stronger, though. Yeah, probably. you're going to have to scrub. Yeah. I mean, it ain't going to come off gently. In now, would you recommend Magic Eraser for these, perhaps? I, lo- I do like the Magic Eraser on the white part. They do help uh, in the other areas, but... 
Yeah, so Magic Eraser maybe with these cleaners might also help him shine it up a little bit more. And hopefully he can get that burgundy paint code from maybe, like you said, yeah. Baytech Games or maybe or just, just from doing go, I mean, paint nobody's going to notice if you go down and get some paint swatches and it's a shade off. That's true. <laughs> nobody's really going to notice. And so if it's good enough, I think as long as you get close enough. But if you call them, they may be able to help you. And they're real friendly. They will... They'll help you if they can. Just I would tell them, and you don't have to disguise. Just say, hey, I'm a collector. I bought a skee-ball game, and I may need some parts, but right now I need to, to do this. Or, or ask if, even ask them what they recommend cleaning something like that. Wouldn't, wouldn't hurt. Sounds good. So, Scott, hopefully answers your question. Tim mentioned some cleaners and some things, but also mentioned you could call or maybe even write Baytech Games and see if they had some of the information that you're looking but for But my as latest well. cleaner is awesome. Okay. It's awesome. Dollar Literally General, awesome is the name of it. And it's awesome. It's kind of <laughs> yellow. And, uh, I, I mean, it's awesome like a dollar. Awesome. And it's just, I mean... It really does clean very good. So instead of everything is awesome, awesome is for everything? Yes. It is. <laughs> it is. It's good at what I call people grease. Okay. What's people grease? People grease is the stuff that people leave from their greasy hands and stuff on the sides <laughs> of your games right. where they held onto the control panel. Leaves that grease. That's people grease. that will take that off. Wow, very nice, very nice. So awesome is the new cleaner. I get it. So, well, anyway, Scott, hopefully answers your question, and good luck getting that skee-ball game completely refurbished and looking like new. Well, Tim, that does it for the questions, officially. All right. So that is it. Now, we have thanks and feedback, but let's roll into a discussion real okay. quick. I wanted to bring up just a couple of things about the podcast for those people who don't know. We're going to do kind of a, just a small history. We've done some history before. But, Tim, did you know that the first episode of our podcast was released on November 29th, 2009? No. So that means we will have almost done this for seven years. Okay. If we would If we would hold out till November, <laughs> which we're not going to. But uh, we're three months shy. Would that be right? Right. Yeah, three months shy of um, of seven years okay. of podcasting. So now we've we've had some off months in there. Mm-hmm. We've had some off times and things like that. But it's been a, a long ride. Now, Tim, we founded the website officially in 2008. So we kind of started the podcast near the end of our second year, kind of, I guess you could say. Right. So uh, that's when we started doing that. That's kind of when we started to feel like we, you know, we started getting questions. Mm-hmm. Because before that, we weren't really getting any questions or anything. But we'd put out all these videos. And at the end of 2009 we were starting to get all these questions about arcade games and stuff and so that's when we decided to do the podcast tim all of the podcasts are available on our website still so you can literally go back and listen to every single one which we don't recommend but (laughs) but you can go back and listen to every single one and tim we've of course we've had several special episodes our first special episodes were from i think the first american amusement auction oh uh, that they had just to give you an idea of how that was so We've had 21 special episodes. Okay. So if you add 59, which is how many regular episodes we have, plus 21, right. we have done how many podcasts, Tim? That would be 80. That would be 80 <laughs> podcasts. That's a lot of that's a lot of Tim and Jonathan right there. Right. <laughs> so uh, I think you guys have gotten your fix, hopefully, over these past 80 episodes. So at least 160, 150 
hours. <laughs> well, probably something like that. Yeah, exactly. At least 160, because we do I at least two hours. Yeah, it's probably over 200 hours at this point. But it's been a lot of podcasting, Tim, a lot of fun over those seven years that we've been doing it. And, and Tim, I think we're really excited to kind of be transitioning. I mean, and look, me and Tim love doing the podcast, guys. But it just came down, Tim, to the simple fact that we can't, we don't have enough time to do the podcast and do the videos. Right. And do the Facebook stuff, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And so that's why we have, you know, we're kind of passing on some duties. We have, you know, Louie and Mark who do Facebook stuff for us now. And now Eric and Chris are going to do the podcast. And so hopefully we can start to focus more on videos, which I always felt like was what we were better at anyway. And so hopefully we can continue doing videos for you guys. Eric and Chris will continue to do the podcast. And, of course, uh, Mark and... Louie will continue to update the Facebook page. Of course, me and Tim will put stuff on there, too. But, you know, they, they're the main ones that do that. And so, Tim, I want to I talk a little bit about Eric and Chris. So we've known Eric a, lo- a pretty long time now. Chris we're not as familiar with, but both these guys are very knowledgeable, Tim. They have a lot of experience repairing arcade and pinball machines. And so really great stuff. Tim, we're really looking forward to some great episodes of the podcast with them. And like you said, we're going to be listening to them too, which will be very interesting to see. Now, Tim, we only gave them like three rules. Rule number one was that they had to keep it family friendly. Okay. Rule number two was that they actually had to answer the questions that we sent them. (laughs) And rule number three was was basically like just, you know, have a good time. I mean, and and we're flexible. I mean, basically they have complete autonomy as to what happens going forward. So I don't know. They might change the intro music. They might change the intro completely. They may not do a discussion. They may do a discussion. They may not announce shows. I have no idea, Tim. We're giving them freedom. Okay. okay, I send them questions from our you know repository of questions. I'm going to be sending them about 25 to 20 every month. And then they're going to answer those questions and then maybe do some additional stuff with that, like a discussion or, or other things as well. And so, Tim, they're given a lot of free reign to do kind of what they want with it. Because, Tim, we really don't want it to be like our show, to be honest with you. I think it would be nice if it was something different. What do you think? Yeah, well, for one thing, it's not like we're handing it over to just some guys that, you know, have just come along lately. These guys really have a lot of knowledge. Absolutely. They're going to take, and hopefully we have, over seven years, a lot of guys have been listening to us for a long time. You've learned, and you're ready to go to that next level, kind of intermediate, maybe some of those harder questions that, John, we might even know the answer to. I have a feeling these guys are going to be able to take on some of the really tough questions and also present a different style and a viewpoint that uh, we might not look at it that way or they might say it a different way. But I think in the end, you're going to become a better uh, arcade technician because we're listening to them. And that's one thing that I know that they care about the hobby. They care about uh, games, obviously, and uh, they're just great guys to be around and to I draw from them every time you know I've been in seminars before and uh, Eric has helped me out of a bind I'm thinking what in the world is the answer to this or I just couldn't think quick enough on my feet he's always uh, been very helpful and knowledgeable but you know it's one thing to have that knowledge but to be able to articulate and bring that out and make it to where I can understand it I know that it will help everybody I think that you'll find that that's what you're going to get from these guys you're going to get more knowledge and depth probably a different delivery and and stuff and but you know what that's good too and we need to change and we need to 
that we really can focus like you said we don't have to when we're not looking at this we can look at something else and and uh, we need a break too to where we can do what kind of got us here you know kind of exactly what we enjoy you know we never really kind of intended on doing a monthly podcast or answering you know 1400 questions or anything <laughs> but in a way we fell into the hobby when a time was really needed right and uh we feel the void where people were you know going on some of these forums and areas and they were basically you know couldn't get an answer or were kind of dumbed down or felt stupid or whatever you want to call it and then we we had a welcoming community that said hey we've already answered this question 400 times but we'll answer it 401 right because we didn't answer it from you and i understand what that's like you know to be in their shoes there's a lot of stuff i didn't know until somebody told me or somebody showed me now people can listen to the podcast i'll be honest i'm not the type that could listen to a podcast and really get a lot of knowledge from it some guys can i'm the kind that you got to show me so that's why videos excite me because when i'm i was working on my dryer not long ago what i do i watch the youtube video and i fix my dryer do following the guys watching him it made sense to me and i did it so that excites me when i know that what i'm going to shoot a video on really sometimes i have a hard time describing it or or even even understanding what the question is but i can show it in a video a lot better so i'm looking forward to going back to that and hopefully getting a lot of content some videos out there that maybe nobody else has done you know we're not the only people shooting videos you know that not anymore not anymore at one time we seemed like there weren't very many and now there's a lot of people so we're thankful you know that's it's kind of like jersey jack said when he was talking about pinball it's good for our hobby and getting games fixed i don't care who's fixing i don't care who's teaching but somebody needs to be out there and we need to be raising up more uh people you know i'm not going to be around forever you're not going to be around forever but hopefully the games can be if we keep bringing up and teaching people how to fix these. And that was the whole point of what we started with anyway, Tim, was to put the knowledge out there, have people get familiar with how to work on arcade games, and basically give them a base that they could start from so they could move up to the more advanced stuff. Yeah. And so by handing it off to Eric and Chris, we really feel like we're taking the podcast to the next level, like you mentioned. Yeah. So kind of like the old Sega, welcome to the next level. That's kind of what this is going to be for them. And so I'm really excited, Tim. And like you mentioned they're going to have a different dynamic than us and that's Mm -hmm. totally okay and their shows may even be totally different than ours and that's okay i mean we're like i said we're giving them a lot of rain and and we're we're kind of setting term limits on the podcasting you you don't get yeah well you don't so after 80 episodes they're gonna move on we'll get another group of people we'll get another group you know (laughs) everybody only lasts 80 episodes that's it now we should mention go ahead i hope that um they do it for as long as they feel comfortable and i hope that they get what we've gotten out of it it's challenged us in a way uh, i probably would go back and answer some of the earlier questions different now Absolutely. seven years later but you know that's part of growing and what we always want to just we wanted to create a community not the tim and john show it never it, i hope that that's always come out it never was about us was about creating a community where people could come and they could find help and then they could help other people. That's all it's about. And, and, uh, and helping others. Exactly right. And you know, Tim, I think, I think we're really putting our money where our mouth is with that. 
by letting uh, Chris and Eric take over, I think we're saying it was it's never been about us. And that's something, guys. I mean, we always wanted arcade repair tips to extend beyond just the two of us. We founded the thing. But just because we founded it doesn't mean that it can't continue on past us. I mean, we hope that, you know, once even me and Tim, you know, kind of move along from the hobby, that other people take it over and it continues to be a thing because we feel like it is valuable to the community. It teaches a lot of people how to work on games and it helps a lot of people. So. When I'm in the nursing home and I've got, and I go down to the arcade and it won't work <laughs> and I know how to fix it, but I'm too uh, old. old and feeble to fix it. That young man comes in, he's he's uh you know been watching arcade repair tips now for 20 years and he knows how to fix it and he gets my get game up and going so i in my elderly days i can spend some playing some games that's what it's really about and and the the, the brotherhood the friendships that we right. build through this one story i'd like to tell about eric you know it's funny john we we were talking you know we had met eric uh we've probably known him for 10 years or so now but you know, we one day me and him were talking, and we actually played in the same arcade in in high school. I lived about thirty minutes from him, and we hung out at the same arcade in high school. So, and he's even showed me some pictures of of that he's found and stuff of it, and just so that friendship that's developed, and for him to be able to take over a podcast that really, John, it was your your vision, your dream. If if it wasn't for you, we definitely wouldn't be doing a podcast. <laughs> I would I'd probably be working on games still, but nobody else would know it. So thank you for you know the time, the vision, to see that this was needed. And then when we you talked me into doing it, I didn't think anybody would watch it. And I'm amazed sometimes at the amount of downloads and stuff that we get from all over the world. So thank you guys that uh, this is also not just an American show. We have friends all over the world. It's such a humbling thing to think that you guys would tune in to two guys from east texas and hear my slang and <laughs> uh, put up with all of that but at the same time uh you you write us and i i don't even know how many countries probably at least 20 to 30 countries that we've had questions from and and uh to know that these games are all over the place and you're getting them fixed and uh, and things like that that's just uh there's some kind of um Maybe, you know, we'll we'll go down in some kind of history book one day that, you know, we hopefully made the hobby susceptible to... Acceptable, yeah. Yeah, our, you know, where just the average guy could learn to work on a game and not have to... Accessible. Accessible, That's yeah. That's the word we're looking for. Sorry, you know, it's right. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly, where he didn't have to uh, get a PhD in engineering or something. He'd just go out there and fix his game or realize when he don't we need to quit fixing it. And not get charged eight hundred dollars for a power supply swap. Right. Also, we've had guys that have uh, learned how to fix games. They're now in the industry and they're running arcades and they're doing. You know, some of them just living the dream. What their dream job was. We got people in different countries that are running running arcades now and or opening arcades. You know, everybody told us you can't do this, can't do that. Well, you know what? Who know who's to tell you what you can or can't do? Just because. Our arcade or their arcade failed doesn't mean yours will. Try it. Why not? Right. I mean, more games out there, the better. The less kids are going to be out uh, in trouble and stuff. They're playing games and things. So I'm all about building this community and taking even further steps to helping people live your dream. If your dream's to own a cool game room, we'll build it. Absolutely. Ha- have the coolest game room or the only game room in your neighborhood. <laughs> 
you know, you mentioned earlier an idea, John, that you had about putting Coinmax in your games and having some fundraisers over here. What a great idea, you know. Or uh, playing for Extra Mile. Remember when we did that? Extra it, Life. Extra Life, yeah. I'm sorry. Uh, extra <laughs> Extra Life. And I uh, remember playing games for 24 hours one time, you know. So, yeah. it, anyway, it's good to... For what we've done and where we've taken it, but it's time to go on to uh, to an even higher level. So, but you know, there are people, John, that have watched all eighty episodes. Probably some of or listen. listened <laughs> again. Yeah, getting getting late, but they've listened to all eighty episodes. Some of them maybe even more than once. Why in the world? I don't know. But hopefully, if you've learned one thing, if you got one game fixed, I hope that that it was worth it. And so it was worth it for us to be able to take the time and do this so thank you guys so much for listening in and for all the encouragement and running into us at shows and stuff just just want to say thanks yeah and tim speaking of shows something we do want to mention is that we will continue to do the live podcast hopefully we'll get to do them with chris and eric yeah so it'll actually be kind of neat it'll be kind of like hopefully the entire arcade repair tips kind of crew will be there and so we'll be able to do kind of like a crew podcast all together when we go to like hag and texas pinball festival and so we have of course the houston show coming up in november we'll get to that here in a sec tim but tim i think you summed it up better than i ever could and i appreciate you saying the stuff about the podcast the way it came about tim though was that every saturday morning we were getting together to answer these questions and tim was over here kind of cracking some jokes while we were answering them and i thought this is somewhat entertaining i think we could actually make a podcast out of this it's kind of fun and and it's um it's kind of fun to listen to and you know maybe people would actually listen to it and so you know that's kind of how it started i didn't really plan on that we had done some podcasting kind of under our company banner uh when we were talking about our business and everything we'd done two podcasts but you know it really didn't catch on i didn't think it would but arcade repair tips because it was more like almost car talk or something i felt like was a little bit different and i think it has really worked for the last 80 episodes and i hope that like you mentioned people continue to listen and uh, enjoy eric and chris and their approach to basically what the podcast should be in their eyes so i think it'll be a great transition and we're looking forward to hearing them and everything so uh, just guys, welcome them with open arms. Give them at least a couple listens, Tim. It's going to take them, I think, a little bit to really get locked in. You know, it, it's never easy when you first start, right? <laughs> and sure. so definitely give them a couple episodes to get their feet underneath them before you say, I'm not going to listen to these guys anymore. Uh, and, but I think that they really will do a good job and you guys will really enjoy it. So make sure you stay tuned for Eric and Chris and the new Arcade Repair Tips Question and Answer podcast starting next month. Well, Tim, I think that was some good discussion there. You know, I, we definitely did well. But we still have a thanks and feedback section. So, Tim, I want to save these because they're kind of like show-ender feedback. So okay. it's part of the reason why I saved them. But there, there are a couple of regular feedback fixed in. Uh, the first one we have is from Juggling Embalmer. Okay. That's a very interesting username. He says, thank you. I got a USA shooting competition Sammy for $75 because it was playing blind. A fuse was enough to get it going. Up until now, CRT terrified me. Your video gave me the confidence to discharge the capacitor and stick my hands in there. Yeah. So there you go, Tim. There's, mm-hmm. there's one that you're talking about. We helped one person at least fix one game. Our, our work is done, right? So, uh, but Juggling and Bomber, we're glad we were able to help you out. It's always good to get feedback like that, right, Tim? I mean, we can never hear that enough times. That's yeah. probably some of the best feedback we ever get is just somebody 
sending a quick message saying, hey, thank you so much for this video. It really helped me out. I mean, that's that's really great stuff. And it's just amazing to us, like Tim mentioned, all of y'all that have watched and listened to uh, all of our content. We really do appreciate uh, all of y'all. It's, it's really been a great ride uh, over these last 80 episodes of the podcast and all the videos we've done. Uh, we really appreciate it. Okay, Tim, so this is moving more into the, like, show-ending feedback here. Uh, Retro Amigo says, Say it ain't so. Guess you guys needed a break. Look forward to the YouTube content. Thanks for the dedication and work. So there you go, Tim. That's just a little bit there. Ed says, Sorry to hear your reign has come to an end. Easily the best podcast for the hobby, even here in Ireland. Hashtag sad day. Mm -hmm. Hashtag won't be the same. It'll be better. It'll be better. It'll be better. better. So, Ed, just hang on. It'll get better. We Yeah, hopefully it won't be the same. (laughs) That's right. There you go. Mm -hmm. So, and then we have one here from Richard, and he says, Huge thanks to Tim and Jonathan for the podcast. I recently looked into getting back into game repair after a long hiatus and have been listening to the old podcasts as far back as I can get them. The insights, help, and general tips are an amazing resource and have renewed my desire to get back into the hobby. Thank you again. Well, that's uh, that's just amazing right yeah, there. Yeah, there you go. Uh, okay, guys. Well, that's all the thanks and feedback for this episode. And Tim, I mentioned we're only going to give one show announcement here, and that's for the Houston Arcade and Pinball Expo 2016. It's going to be November 11th and 12th at the Northwest Crown Plaza Hotel in Houston, Texas. A weekend pass is $40 at the door, $30 in advance. A one-day ticket is $30 at the door, $20 in advance. And there will be over 200 classic and current coin-op pinball machines, video arcade games, penny arcades, and console video games ready for attendees to play on free play or buy them for their home. For more information and pre-registration, please visit their website at arcadecenter.com. And Tim, of course, we're going to be there. Hopefully, Chris and Eric will be there. And by then, Tim, they will have had a couple of episodes under their belt. So it'll be really interesting to kind of see how they're doing at that point. It might even be us kind of discussing, you know, their approach to it versus our approach. Maybe we'll get some of that in there. But I think they're really going to do a great job. We're looking really forward to them taking over the podcast, guys. It's really going to, I think, be a huge benefit to all of y'all that do listen. So, Tim, let's go ahead and wrap it up here with our contact information. And, Tim, we're kind of split things a little bit just because I think there's going to be times when people want to reach out to Eric and Chris directly. Okay? Right. And so our email address is going to continue to be the same. Questions at ArcadeRepairTips.com. You guys can continue to send them there, and either me and Tim will answer them or we'll add them to an outline for the podcast for Eric and Chris. It'll be one or the other. But if you want to get in touch with Eric and Chris directly, we're going to set up an email address, podcast at ArcadeRepairTips.com, where you can reach them directly if you guys want to get just them. Okay? okay. So if you want to just basically throw your question into the question pool it's going to be questions at arcaderepairtips.com if you'd like to reach Eric and Chris and the new podcast host for the question answer podcast you guys can do that by writing an email to podcast at arcaderepairtips.com so you guys have now two email addresses questions at arcaderepairtips.com comes to me and Tim and gets added for outlines for their podcast and then podcast at arcaderepairtips.com is directly to them in case you want to write them something specific maybe something they discussed something they talked about on the podcast that way you can write them specifically and they can get back to you. So, again, questions at ArcadeRepairTips.com and podcast at ArcadeRepairTips.com. And, guys, we do have our voicemail line, but, Tim, I don't know if we're ever going to get around to doing that podcast uh-huh. that we were talking about, the voicemail one. And at this point, I'm not counting on it. Wow. But you guys can still leave a voicemail there if you'd like to. The number is 972 the number 8 
AR Tips is an arcade repair tips or 972-827-8477. And Tim, again, not real good about calling people back. Every so often, if we get some time, we will, but it's just kind of a rarity. Maybe now that we're not doing the podcast, though, maybe. Maybe a good goal for 2017. There you go. Mm-hmm. So uh, anyway, so you guys can leave your voicemail there. Hopefully, we'll start calling people back, and that would be awesome. So. <laughs> Let's talk about our multimedia pages real quick. We have our iTunes page, Tim, at itunes.arcaderepairtips.com, where you can leave reviews for this podcast. Now, Tim, obviously this podcast is about to change, but we still want you to leave reviews there. If you enjoy us, if you've enjoyed Eric and Chris, whoever you've enjoyed listening to, please leave a nice review for on iTunes for us. But, Tim, unfortunately, uh, no new reviews since uh, the last time we checked. So. All right. Well, it is what it is. Not even for the last episode. Can't even get a review for the last episode. <laughs> So, ah, well, it is what it is. That's probably why it's our last episode, right? Mm-hmm. That we're not getting any reviews. I'd have got one review. <laughs> we would have kept yeah. doing it. <laughs> but now, done. There mm-hmm. it is. Uh, and Tim, of course, if you don't have iTunes, you can also subscribe to us on Stitcher Radio. And that's at stitcher.arcaderepairtips.com. Tim, you can leave reviews there as well. But unfortunately, no new reviews since our last podcast. So it is what I it quit. is. <laughs> I quit. Ah, I'm <laughs> done with this, man. It's over. So there you go. Okay, and of course, Tim, we have our YouTube page at youtube.arcaderepairtips.com. You guys can go there and see all of our fantastic YouTube videos. Of course, they're also accessible on our website along with, along with the blog post and other things. And then, Tim, we have our social media pages. We have our Twitter page at twitter.arcaderepairtips.com, and you guys can write us there in 140 characters or less. You guys can send your questions there as well. We'll try to reply back to them as quickly as possible. And then we have our Facebook page with Mark and Louie Tim as moderators, and that's at facebook.arcaderepairtips.com. Tim, we've had some really great posts lately. Yeah. Uh, for those of you who have not been on our Facebook page, I feel like the quality of our posts have gone up dramatically. Um, I want to credit that to Louie, Tim. I feel like he's been doing a great job keeping on top of some of the current trends as far as uh, arcade news and things are, are happening in the world. So we want to thank Louie for all of his hard work and dedication since he's come on board to help us out. Uh, but it really is a, a great place for you guys to get some great arcade news and other things. Definitely highly recommend checking out Facebook.arcade repairtips.com. Tim, I think we're at least over, what, 2,100 at this point? Yes. Yeah, so there's a lot of people there, and you know, if you guys want to post your question there, you can do that as well. Um, again, uh, both Louie and Mark usually stay on top of those pretty well, so thank you guys so much for uh, all of uh, all the fans on Facebook and the community we have there, Tim. really is amazing. We appreciate all of y'all a lot. Well, Tim, that's officially it. But as you know, there's an unofficial part of the podcast we usually right. have as well. So we'll hold on to the unofficial part, the after show, of course, and it'll be coming up right after this. But, Tim, as far as official sign-offs go, this is the official sign-off. This is episode 59 in the books, and you and me hanging up our mics until the next live episode. <laughs> so anything you want to say that you haven't said yet in closing? Any 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 words of wisdom you want to you leave us with? Just... Thanks again. Yeah, we our motto I think really said well we you know fix the game and play the game. You can't play it if it's broken. That's right. And it's no fun to just look at a cabinet. <laughs> and uh, the motto was so good that Dave and Buster stole it. They did. So, that's right. <laughs> I, I'm still looking for recompense for that. But <laughs> just some free games and some food would do. I mean, there we're not go. asking for a million dollars. <laughs> that will take also. But that's right. <laughs> anyway. Just thanks again, guys, and as, as always, you know, we'll still be around. You guys would love to to talk to you, meet you at shows, things like that. 
and to hear these stories, you know, to really think a guy in Ireland listens to us. I mean, you know, I've never been to Ireland. I want to go. I've been uh, once, and it was beautiful, and I really want to go back. So. Well, you know, next time, next time we might have a friend. And, and we've had <laughs> people have offered to do business cards for us, those things, and voiceovers and different things that we've, you know, just whatever you're, you know, it's neat when you get to meet and see what they do for a living. You know, right. it's kind of like nobody does this for a living, so, and, and I don't make a good one at it. But you, <laughs> but know, you do still make a living I at it. I do make a living <laughs> at it. But, uh, you know, just to meet the different type of people, all different walks of life, when we have something in common, you know, whether we're Republican or Democrat or Independent or we're black or white or Hispanic, we, you know, we have a love for the game really unites us. That's right. And so what, that's what I would want to say. Let, let gaming unite us. Don't let it divide or don't be that guy. You know, don't be that person that when the new person comes in and asks a question, you know, give them the respect somebody gave you or, or give them more respect than somebody gave you. That's my advice. You know, be, don't be that guy. Be the, good, be the guy that helps people. If I make it to heaven one day, Jonathan, I hope that God would look at me and I would rather him say, you helped too much than you didn't help enough. Yeah. So, you know, I want to be that guy. I want to be the person that goes out of my way instead of the guy that won't won't help at all. So we'll be around. We'll still be helping. We'll still be uh, encouraging and uh, doing everything that we can to promote the hobby uh, still be going to shows. Uh, hopefully, still be shooting a lot of videos. So you guys will see us on YouTube and other areas uh, or other ways to stream or whatever we choose to do. We'll be shooting some live videos, whatever yeah, we do. Yeah, maybe. So we look forward to doing that, those type of things. But really, in the, in the end, it's just about friendships and our families and in in the games, just the play and then what they've mean to us and restoring them making them look like new taking pride in what we do and so uh good luck to everybody out there all those weekend warriors uh those shop uh superheroes <laughs> that nobody sees or nobody knows you got that mint. garage gamers yeah you yeah, the garage gamers that we need no, more alliteration yeah no, <laughs> nobody knows that mint galaga that you have secretly hide and then they come over to your house and they're like oh my gosh i remember that game and the stories that we tell about finding games and things like that you know keep those things keep them going come up with new stories new finds new warehouse raids you know like richard says come back if you've been out come back to the hobby well, you know, where you been? This is fun. This is what keeps us sane. This is what keeps us uh, going when, you know, we've had bad days at work. Yeah, I used to say, remember my, my, my phrase was, the worst day at work, I'd still go home and play Miss Pac-Man for free. Yeah, that's right. You know, I mean, who could say that? I, I, would, I wish I could have in 1982. <laughs> that's right. You know, or something. But, you know, I had the worst day at work, i still go home and play a game of Miss Pac-Man. And all is right with the world again. So, um Thanks again, guys. I hope fix your games and then play them and then enjoy them. Man, Tim, you've been really deep tonight. I, I, you know, um, that's my last chance. Like <laughs> your last chance. You make it sound like we're we're riding off into the sunset. It's not quite that uh, dramatic, but we are obviously leaving on a regular basis. Is the way I like to say it. It's kind of a hiatus of sorts. But I will say this. Uh, you know, working on these games, Tim, uh, it's kind of like a time machine. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just amazing when you look inside, you look at the technology that was used, and you think to yourself, how did somebody come up with this stuff in the 1980s or the mm-hmm. 1990s? I mean, and then I tell you what, there is nothing more rewarding than having people come over, uh, especially people who grew up with the games, oh, yeah. and seeing them walk up to a game that they remember playing when they were a kid. And it literally almost transforms them back into that kid for a second. Right. I mean, it's amazing. I, like I said, so it's almost like a time machine, it's these machines, and keeping them restored. And, and you know, Tim's, it's almost part of the reason I prefer tubes is because when somebody walks up to a machine, I want them to walk up to it like it was the one they remember playing. Right. And I want it to play like the one they remember playing. And so, you know, for me, it's always been about the reaction. It's almost even less about the work and how it plays. I want it to play like it originally did. I want to get it to a state that it looks like it originally did just so I can see the look on somebody's face when they see it for the first time in a long time. Right. And it, that look is worth all of the work that you put into these games. I mean, and look, I enjoy them and I love playing them. But having people actually come over and play them and see them when they haven't seen them in 20 years, right. it's amazing. I mean, it really is. There's nothing more rewarding than that. There really isn't. I mean, you know, it's just amazing how all the work and time that I put into that game, when I see that face, it all makes it worth it. So, uh, you know, I love having people over here to see the games and remember the good times. Uh, Because they were good times, you know. I saw a picture of a collector the other day and his daughter was soldering. And she looked like (laughs) she was about 10. Uh And he was, she was soldering something. And, uh, you know, it's just those moments, those teachable moments and those times, those are priceless. You know, 100, 100 years from now, People will uh, probably uh, unearth a capsule, have one of our podcasts or something, (laughs) but they won't even know what a podcast is themselves. (laughs) That's right. Uh, Radio will have disappeared. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So you you know, it's like like my kids wouldn't even recognize a camera from the '80s, probably or something. But when it's all said and done, I think somewhere somewhere out there, somebody will still be enjoying these games. And uh, it'll be because people like us took enough time and fixed them and kept them playing and took pride in them and uh, made it a collection, made it made a hobby out of this. Of what we grew up only dreaming about, that somebody could own them in their home to owning homes full of them. Mm-hmm. There's always room for one more. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, and, and at this point, Tim, you know, it's almost like, I don't know about you, but I feel like I've I've come full circle. It's like, I feel like I was, when I met you, I was a kid and I didn't have a cabinet and, you know, you had a, a room full of games and, and now I've got a room full of games, just like mm-hmm. you had. And I think to myself, you know, it's it's um, it's full circle. And it's like to myself, I think, what more could could I accomplish in the hobby at this point? It's like I've done what I wanted to do. I've fixed the games, and I've gotten the games. I've owned the games that I wanted to own. I've I've been able to play the games I wanted to play because we've gone to festivals and things. So I mean, it's just to me, it just feels like I've come through this circle where it's like before I was just kind of learning. I was trying to figure out how to fix these things. I didn't know much about them, and now I'm to the point where I can fix pretty much anything. And I, I have I've owned the games that I've wanted to own, and I've got a game room full of them. And so it feels 
feels it just feels like um it almost like it's complete like like I said it came from this and now we're you know we've made it we've made it we've come all the way around and so and i feel like the right, podcast right. is like that like we've we kind of started out at a time like you said when we were i think very much needed i guess to a certain extent that people had questions and weren't mm-hmm. getting answers for them and we've come around now to the point where if you look on youtube there's tons of videos now on right. arcade repair there's tons of people doing videos on that stuff when we started doing it we were the only ones and right. so uh, and I look, I, I'm with you. I love that. And I think the more content out there, the better. Oh, yeah. But there's you know, definitely some good videos out there. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> there's, and some, so. there's some good content out there. We never set out to be, even, our goal was never even to be the best. Right. It was just to start something. Right. If we can do this, you can do this. Right. That was always, I wanted people to know. They could hear this hick from Texas and realize, <laughs> if that guy can fix a game, I can fix it. That's right. And I think that that probably has conveyed into, like this guy said, you give me a confidence. You've seen, I've, I was like, wow, I can do this. You know, so we never claimed to be the guru guys yeah, the of gaming. Gurus guys, <laughs> the gurus of gaming. But we did claim that we had learned a few things. What did one guy say? I, I can tell you guys know a thing or two right. you know, about arcade games. We know a thing or at two. At least a thing or two. At least a thing or two. And, uh, we, we don't know everything. Yeah, and but we, a thing or we two. admit it. Right. And we're still learning. Right, all the time. So we'll we'll keep sharing. Mm-hmm. And as we learn more, we'll share more. And as games change and we go to card readers, pretty soon you'll you'll buy a game at auction and have, have a card, card reader, reader on it. it. That's right. And you're going to want to know how to work <laughs> on it. Uh, you know, and uh, maybe we'll shoot a video. So. And there you go. Or a hologram or whatever. <laughs> whatever we'll is acceptable at that time. Zap <laughs> us into your place, whatever you do at that time, you know. We'll teleport over whatever is needed. <laughs> But uh, thanks again for listening and for sticking with us. You know, I mean, it could have been people could have listened to a couple episodes of Born, whatever, and then tuned us out. Really, we grew. We're still growing. And I think that's what's encouraging to me is once we go into deeper knowledge and we're able to shoot more videos and they're able to answer some deeper, some tough questions and take it to the next level, I think that um, it's going to be good for the for the collecting community too and uh good for us yeah i think so so y'all be sure to tune in to eric and chris next month we want you to like i said give them a couple episodes if you don't like the first one listen to a couple more and then you know you know make sure because i mean anytime you start something new guys especially when you haven't done this a whole lot it takes a little bit to get used to so please uh Give them that courtesy. Right. Uh, and all those hard it. questions, I've been skipping. No, that's right. <laughs> that's right. All the ones that we've been skipping, they're going to get those. So uh, that, I, <laughs> I, I really do think that, and you know, there's guys out there, you're thinking, well, you know, I would like to hear more podcasts. I mean, you like you said, you can't have too many. I think that I would encourage anybody that wants to do this to consider the cost that there are. It is time consuming and and there are things, but at the same time i would I would always say the benefits outweigh anything negative so we we're very humbled that anybody would listen to us i i I can't even get my mom to tune in you know, sometimes, <laughs> but that anybody would listen to it and from all walks of life all over the country, all over the world, and then to get to meet you guys one day and hear how you fix the game or something. Just really makes makes my heart big and makes us feel like that uh, we have done our purpose. There you go. Well, I think we're going to leave it on that. 
So I, that'll do it, guys. That is episode 59. It's in the books. We will do an after show because we do have some stuff to share. We had some questions for the after show, so we're going to do that. But, you know, Tim, I like to say it's not goodbye. It's see you later. And so that's what I'm going to leave you guys with. This is not a goodbye. It's a see you later. We will be on YouTube. And we will be doing the live podcast, so you guys will still be able to hear us from time to time. And of course, you can always shoot us an email. Questions at ArcadeRepairTips.com is always going to be where you can get a hold of me and Tim, at least for the moment. <laughs> at least for now. So, uh, But guys, we thank you so much for tuning in to this episode and every episode that me and Tim have done over the, over the years. Because I can't say that. Over the 80 episodes that we have done. We thank all of y'all so much. And this is uh, Tim and Jonathan signing off. And yeah, we'll where, see you later. Wherever you are, in the car, That's right. or at your cubicle, join with us. Now, more. kids listening, too, yeah. we, we want you in on this, too. You know, we, we Out expect, loud. That's right. Everybody, if you're listening right now, we're going to do this one time. One take, right, Tim? Right. So when you're ready, we're going to do this. Okay? Okay. Let's give them a second, Tim. Okay? Okay. Are we ready? Yes. Are you ready? Okay. And remember, here at Arcade Repair Tips, when you fix the game, you you play play the the game. game. Take care, everybody, and so long. Adios. Thank you for listening to the Arcade Repair Tips Question and Answer Podcast. All of our episodes are available for download at ArcadeRepairTips.com or at the iTunes Music Store under Podcasts. This podcast is intended for entertainment and educational purposes only. Please consult a professional before attempting to repair any coin-operated machines yourself. The preceding program is a Varcade Entertainment production. Well, Tim, we're in the after show. How do you feel after all of the emotional stuff? Are you tearing up? I don't see anything necessarily, uh, but you know, there's a couple times there you you think about it. It's it's it, you do almost feel like you're saying goodbye, but it's not. So, yeah, a couple times it's almost sad, but uh, then again, you know, I know I see our future, and I know where where we're gonna be a year from now. I think everybody's gonna. I don't like that. Well, I hope you're right. <laughs> I guess we'll I guess we'll find mm-hmm. out. So, uh, so guys, actually, we are doing an after show. Go down in flames. That's right, exactly. One or the other. We are doing an after show. This is the after show to the last podcast that we're going to be doing on a regular basis. And so, uh, Tim, with that in mind, I do want to bring up a couple of topics before we get to the question. One of the things was that 
Uh, let's see. My daughter, okay? So she's been getting into stuff. My, <laughs> popping my bubble wrap, man. That's I can't, My hard drive can't been in that. My uh, daughter, she has this building stuff that my uh, my mom got her. Like, and you can build stuff out of it. Well, we built a rocket ship, okay? So it's like this little pink rocket ship. It's kind of like, um, think about it as Tinker Toys on like a bigger level. Okay. Okay. So we built this rocket ship, and now she like every every so often there after we built it, she was going, "We need to go fix the rocket ship." And so we would take like she has garden tools, uh-huh. so we take the garden tools and we would kind of you know act like we were fixing it and stuff, uh-huh. right? Uh-huh. So I finally bought her like some real play tools, like ones okay. that actually look like real tools. And so now she has a screwdriver, and she has a saw, uh-huh. and she has pliers, and she has a wrench, and and the tools say the name of the tool on them. Which okay. is nice, so she can identify. The screwdrivers say flat and Phillips on them, oh. so she can know. And so she knows, like, and hammer. And so we're uh-huh. getting her along. I'm trying to teach uh-huh. her. You know, I, you know. I told my wife, I'm not going to try to make her be an engineer or a computer scientist, right. but I want her to understand it. Exactly. You know, it's like I don't care if she is one of those. I mean, that right. she can do whatever she wants, but I at least want her to have an appreciation of how to work with tools. You know, how to engineer things and how to understand that kind of building concept. And I think so far she's really getting it and so i've really been you know kind of proud father i guess about Mm -hmm. that and then the other thing is that we i was working on the wii okay my wii u i was doing some updates i downloaded some games on it and i have a super mario world or super mario 3d world and it was still in the packaging i opened and started playing it my daughter's like enthralled with it she just starts looking at it and she's Uh like oh my gosh it's mario and like she's so now she's figured out who mario is Uh so tonight i actually gave her a little stuffed animal mario that i had and she's been carrying that thing around with curious george (laughs) and thomas all night and so uh, she knows who mario is okay so and which i'm also proud about she's three years old and she knows who mario is so i feel like as a father i've done my job i am done she knows how to use tools she knows who mario is i'm good to go so uh we're just gonna leave it at that uh tim anything you got any personal stuff going on or What's funny is we'll have to shoot, you know, I got a new tool bench. Oh, really? And so, and I put it together, and I've got my area of the shop now, or the <laughs> garage. garage. Got my little corner, and it's so neat and organized. We had to shoot a video, people never <laughs> believe that was that mine was after seeing my old shop and stuff. We'll you have know, to bring a game over there and fix it over there. We do. <laughs> we, I've got a space ready for there it, and I've got stuff for it uh, to put it on, so... Yeah, it's, it's exactly how I designed it, so I could bring at least a game or two at a time. And in fact, I got a local guy that wants me to fix a pinball game for him, and uh, he may be the first. He said he would bring it, so I'm like, that's, that's good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Key words, you're going to bring it over, okay? <laughs> um, you know. So, and then we've got a couple churches that won't work around here. Of course, the guy in Paris. It's like. There's weeks when I feel like I could quit my day job and have plenty to do, but then I feel like two months later I'd fix everything and I'd run out. That's right. So, you know, the the changes at Chuck E. Cheese are just, gosh, nonstop. But hopefully I can hang in there. I I do, I like changes, but then I don't. You know, it's kind of like you just get my age, you just don't handle change as good as I did when I was younger and everything was changing. But we've been through this cycle before, so... Yeah. I feel like that. Uh, I feel like I'm in a good place, you know, where I'm just getting stuff back together, you know, and and at, at where I want it to, be, where I want to be. Okay. So now know. we now okay switching switching gears. Okay, okay. going into second third, uh, movies and TV shows. We always do that. So I want to talk about a couple of things. 
when I was sick, because I had that sick episode, I watched about four movies. Okay. Okay, so I watched Batman vs. Superman. Uh-huh. Okay, so here's the thing. So I watched the theatrical release. It was two and a half hours. It's okay. Yeah. Okay, and that's the thing. So do you want to spend two and a half hours watching an okay, okay movie? Okay, yeah. I mean, that's the thing. If it was good, I mean, I think I would have liked it. Here's the thing. Ben Affleck, not terrible. Have you seen it? No, okay. I have not. Ben Affleck, not bad. Like, actually does a pretty good Batman. Okay. But, like, Superman, eh. And then, like, Lex Luthor? Ugh. Like, yeah. they just don't portray him very well. And then, like, the little thing that brings Batman and Superman together just doesn't make a lot of... I mean, it doesn't really gel. Like, I, it's not acceptable to me. You know, it's kind of like, really? Like, that's the thing you guys are going to bond over or whatever the case may be? Yeah. You know, I mean, so... Here's the thing. It's two and a half hours... If you like superhero movies, you'll probably like it. I mean, I, I didn't dislike it, okay? I did like it. Right. But if it would have been two hours, I would have said it was a good movie. Huh. I feel like the extra 30 minutes just kind of turned me off because I feel like uh, you could have cut here. It could have been a little bit less of this and whatever the case yeah. may be. Okay, I watched Race. Jesse oh, Owens. Race is awesome. Oh, man. That, that was, was a good incre- movie. 42. Basically yeah. 42, yeah. except with Jesse Owens and the Olympics. Yes. Except you're all. Here's the thing, though. It not only brings in kind of like the color racism type stuff, but it brings in like the um, anti-Semitism right. and some of the other things, which is really interesting because you know, obviously, the Nazis at the time, they they didn't like African Americans or oh, Jews. Yeah. They, they were, weren't show them on TV. Exactly, and so it's not just discrimination against Jesse Owens. Mm-hmm. There's also some Jewish people on the team. That, Remember the that camera lady against. that yes, went, like. Yeah, and started filming that. Was yes, good. That's so a good part of the movie. It was a, a very good movie, and so if you haven't seen Race, highly recommend checking it out. Uh, let's see, what was the other one? I saw Thirteen Hours. Yeah, the Benghazi story. Yes, uh, uh, very you- good movie. But here's the thing, I think, and I think you talked about this when you said you saw it. It didn't really swing one way or another as far as politics are concerned. Right. It really didn't. It stayed pretty down the line, politic wise, which I thought was smart. Yes, uh, but the thing is more their hero heroic exactly, which is what you should focus on. because yes. it's pretty amazing. Like these uh-huh. guys were able to hold off like armies of, of dudes, yeah. by themselves. Yeah, it I was mean, awesome. it, it was like what eight guys uh-huh. or something like that that were holding off like all these. You know, I mean, obviously untrained, mm-hmm. but still dangerous terrorists. And so, you know, it, it's just amazing to me. And one thing that it did a really good job of was establishing the timeline. Because I didn't understand, like, mm-hmm. when this happened, when this happened, when this happened. And I'm sure it's, like, not exact, but it seems like they get it pretty on point to establish that timeline. Mm-hmm. So, but, I mean, as far as a movie goes, I mean, not taking politics out of it and everything else, it was just a good movie. Like, it was enjoyable. I thought it was... I mean, it was well-directed. It was well done. It's Michael Bay, which sometimes his stuff is hit or miss for me. Right. But this was definitely a hit. Uh, and I thought uh, John Kras- or, uh, Jim Krasin- or John Krasinski... Yeah. John Krasinski, the guy, you know, who was the last guy to come in and everything, he did a good job. And uh, the acting in it was very good. Like, everybody across the board. Great movie. Highly recommended. I, I can't think of what the fourth one is, Tim, but if you want to go ahead and share the movies that you've seen, I'll look it up real quick. Uh, if there was something that you've seen since uh, well, since we've gotten together last. Well, something I would like to talk about, those who may or may not know my history, um, is the Olympics. Yes, the Olympics. You've been I, watching the Olympics, right? I've been watching we the Olympics. We watched the Olympics, too. Because um, at one time, John, I was an Olympic hopeful, was... Going to be training in Colorado Springs to I was a half miler and a miler. I ran a four eighteen mile 
and a 154 half. But, you know, those were some pretty good times. Not world class like some of those guys, but I was in training and I got hurt. And I did not, uh, I was a sophomore in college before I was a, as good as I was a sophomore in high school. So I, I wanted to be an Olympian. And I grew up in the, in the 80s when, you know, we beat the Russians in hockey and it was such a big deal that it, I really, uh, I remember I did Jesse Owens for a book report one time. Uh, so uh, every time the Olympics come around, I'm a huge Olympic fan. I don't care if it's uh, underwater basket weaving or uh, trampoline, whatever. I'm watching everything. Right. You know? <laughs> I'm really do get into it. But you know, a couple of races. Uh, my last race as a collegian was against Ben Johnson, who later broke the world record. Right. And his world record that stood for 19 years now was broken in this Olympics. Wow. And the guy broke it for those who run track he broke it he ran in lane eight you never want to get lane eight you want to be in the middle of the track he ran lane eight and ran the world record in that lane nobody ever in other words he never saw anybody he was in the front he stayed in the front the whole lap wow and his coach was like his 70 year old grandmother that's his (laughs) coach i mean it's like you know those stories and stuff so a couple things and seeing Michael Phelps win more medals and hear some of his story where he's kind of come from, things like that. But I really enjoyed a couple things. I know you've probably seen the YouTube video where the guy was pole vaulting and he heard the national anthem. And he, yes, and he, he stopped. He stops. I noticed that, you know, there were a lot of things and a lot of people take pride in there. And, and, and we are from the United States and we are very proud of our athletes but you know I, I saw people that said this first gold medal this country ever won or right. something like that or to, to watch Usain Bolt oh he was I mean, amazing just it looked almost effortlessly and and to run those kind of times and retire like he did as a champion nobody could beat him I mean you know I just I had so much respect for those athletes and from the some of the like the Chinese divers and stuff to see these people that train and do that and knowing that one day I would really have loved to do that, and for the Olympics to go down without any terrorist acts and oh, things yeah. like that, I was just, I was just so happy. It seemed like just lucky it's, gate. It's <laughs> yeah, well, uh, but you know, you you just you think that uh, all the wars and things you hear about, and then you see that we can really come together, absolutely, and, and that the the world is not just us either, and and there, you know, it's not just English speaking and and things like that, so. I, I really uh, enjoy that time when I see the people. But then, you know, you got the guy who was doing judo and wouldn't shake the other guy's hand. Oh, yeah, that's you right. Know? And so it's like you, you also realize, wow, we may, it's just a sport, but it's kind of bigger than that. Oh, absolutely. So um, what have, did you, anything stand out? What did any events that you watched? I watched uh, Brazil in the gold medal game. Of soccer. of soccer, okay, and that yeah. was amazing. Yeah, uh, that was uh, that was fantastic. That was one of the the moments that really stood out to me. I watched most of the swimming, so I got to see you know a lot of that. Uh, you know, Chris Ledecky. Mark, yeah, Ledecky, <laughs> Phelps. I mean, that just uh, swims eight hundred mm-hmm. eight hundred yards ahead of everybody. Absolutely. I like, wow. I watched 
Let's see. I watched some fencing because uh-huh. I like fencing. I watched some judo. I liked wrestling. Um, let's see what else. I watched some of the shooting. I thought that was really interesting, and um, which is archery and actually shooting. Right. Uh, a lot of the interesting stuff there. I like to watch like the 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 sports that you know are kind of uh, a little bit further out there sometimes. Did you catch well, trampolining? I did not catch trampoline. I usually do. I know. I usually do. It was awesome. Yeah, you see, I usually do catch a little bit of that. Gymnastics, of course. We we watched a lot of the gymnastics. And I mean, you know, gymnastics and swimming, I think, are the big events for us. Um, Basketball, I caught part of most of the games for the men. uh, Men's basketball. Of course, you know, they ran away with it. It, You know, it wasn't even a contest, really. But uh, let's see. I watched the tennis because I'm a big tennis fan. You know, I watched a lot of that. And... I golf, you know, golf I just couldn't, true. I couldn't get into it. I, I mean, you know, not having like Jordan Spieth, he's like part of the reason right. I watch golf now because, you know, he's. We well, had a lady shoot a 63, hit 11 birdies. Yes, I and, saw and, that. Or something like the ladies, that. The ladies really kind of stole the show. I, I was like, wow. I mean, she's 63. Yeah. You know, she was on, she was really hot playing that day. Tennis was okay. But yeah, it's kind of like, I just kind of, whatever's on, I just right. kind of watched it. Whatever was on. But uh, I missed it. I wish, you know, four years alone, because I'm a Summer Olympic kind of guy, too. But I, I enjoy the Winter Olympics, but the Summer Olympics are more my, because that's where I wanted to be, you know. I wanted right. to compete. I, I will. I told Deirdre, like, one. Uh, I guess one of the best times I think I remember was uh, all of us hanging out at Stan's house and watching the Olympics. Yes. Uh, that was great. He had it on a big projector at his house. Yes. Uh, what yeah. was that? Was that? Uh, Michael Phelps was yeah, swimming. It was we're 2008, like, yeah. wasn't it? I think it was 2008 yeah. when we were doing that. Yeah, we were watching Beijing up there. So, uh-huh. um, uh, But, uh, yeah, that was uh, one of the most fun times was going over to Stan's house and watching on the big projector and all of us hanging out. So uh, good good memories of the Summer Olympics. And, you know, it, it kind of, I kind of miss it, but at the same time, uh, you know, I'm a big, serious baseball fan. So, like, you know, if baseball was on, we watched baseball instead uh-huh. of the Olympics. So, but, you know, I mean, it was good to watch a lot of the Olympic events, and I did like it. So, so there's, it. here's here's something else we can discuss before we go. Uh, we haven't talked about really controversial movie. How about Ghostbusters? I didn't see it. Oh. So, I, you I know, it, I see I, like four. You know? And I liked it. You I liked it. I laughed. I thought it was funny. I heard funny. it was funny. I thought it was funny. I mean, I don't I don't know what else you expect. It's like right. it's not going to be the original. No. But, you know, it's I like the take on it. I like the actors. The 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 girl who played um she she played uh, the 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 brainiac kind of guy, you know, the the girl that, Yeah, the, I mean, I know who you're talking the about. Kissing or whatever. Yeah. Man. man she was so good, and I mean, just nailed, every one of them just nailed their parts so well. I thought it was great. Right. I thought it was funny. I, I'd see it again. It was so good. I want to. Well, it is on my I list mean, to watch. It wasn't for sure. the best movie I've ever seen in my life, but sure. I, I didn't go in with high expectations. You right. ever do that? And yes. It kind of surprised me. I was right. like, well, this wasn't. Oh, I remember that well, stupid movie. Yeah, 13 Hours, exactly like that for me. I didn't go in with very high expectations. Turned out to be really good. So, I mean, yeah, Ghostbusters is on my list. I have not seen it. I'm glad you heard it. I'm glad it was good. <laughs> so, I liked it. Good. And uh, and uh, then, you know, just as far as I've been watching uh, more Netflix, I was watching, there's, you, you know, the, the show that everybody was talking about where the guy was accused of murder and is making, making a, a murder? murder? Yes. There was a. I was. I was going to look it up. I was watching one tonight about a guy who's on death row, okay, and he's been on death row since he's like eighteen. And basically, DNA was proved, but it took so long for him to get the DNA test to prove that he didn't do it. He got sick while he was in 
on death row. Right. And basically, he petitioned the judge and said, throw out everything and just go ahead and execute me. Wow. And that's what the story is about. It's like, he's like, I don't, I'm suffering, you know, just let me die mm-hmm. kind of deal. And they're like, well, we're finally fixing it. After all these years, they're rushing the the DNA to try to get him out of there so you don't right. die in prison. And he's like, no, I'd just rather I'm just go ahead and do it. Don't let me die a slow death and take me out. Mm-hmm. And and it's kind of like an assisted suicide kind of deal in a way. If I if I understand what I'm saying, right? Well, really yeah, exactly. No, you're right. What a twist. Yeah. I mean, he basically. Had, and, and when you hear his story, it's like, wow. I mean, he really talking about really being in the wrong place at the wrong time. He was actually accused of one crime, and he read in the paper about somebody being murdered. There was a guy that really had did him wrong and stuff that had died, he thought. And he said, well, I'll just say it was him and try to pin on him, and I'll act like a hero telling about this murder and maybe they'll forgive me for the stupid crime that I did. Right. And uh, it turns out that guy wasn't dead, and it made him look like a liar trying uh. to blame him. And then they jumped on, and he had the same blood type. Back in the 80s, you right. had the same blood type. Well, you were guilty. Right. You know, even though 40 million other yeah, people right. had exactly. that same blood type. <laughs> Long story short, what a, I, I'm getting where I really like that kind of stuff. You know? Oh, right. I know. Making a Murder is fantastic. If people haven't watched it on Netflix, they absolutely should. It's great stuff. Well, I'm going to look up uh, the name of this one because yeah. it's really good. Because you think about it, he's got a chance. I mean, and I don't know that it Speaking was shot of making last a murder, week. You saw that uh, what's Update his name got out? Got out. Uh, yeah. Oh, what's the little nephew guy? Yeah, the nephew uh, guy. So if you haven't seen it, yeah, he one of he he is out, and he was like not just uh, doing his time. He right. He got out. So the fourth movie I saw was Phenom. The Phenom. And it, it actually had quite a few people. The Fear of 13. Fear of 13. He's afraid of the number 13. He oh, knows. gotcha. It, it's a very small part of it, but that's right. what he tells is he he's always had a fear of the number 13. Crazy. That's what's called the Fear of 13. Okay, so the movie I was thinking of, the fourth one I watched was The Phenom. And it's a oh. movie, and it looks like a baseball movie. It's got Ethan Hawke in it. It's got Paul Giamatti in it, which mm. are all pretty good actors. It looks like a baseball movie, not a baseball movie at all. It's all about the psyche of somebody who's ultra super talented oh. and how fragile it is. And basically, so in the entire ball, in the entire movie, like he hardly ever see him pitch a ball. Oh. It's all about it in his head. Oh. And it was weird. Strange, huh? Yeah, it was real strange. So, I mean, if you're into those strange kind of movies, you might like it. But I was going into it expecting a baseball movie, and it's not that. So, yeah. so if you're going in like saying, hey, I want to see a baseball movie about this guy who's really good. Kind of like The Rookie or something, yeah. right? Not that. Okay, it is like psyche, psyche, psyche all over the stuff. So, I it was... It, I just didn't like it, so don't recommend it. Um, uh, if you're into um, Paul Giamatti, is a great actor. He does a fantastic job in this role. But I and uh, Ethan Hawke, great job too. But it's just not not the kind of movie I enjoy. Two movies I want to see. Okay. One maybe tomorrow. Uh, ben Hur. Ben Hur. I've heard I, very good things. Everybody I was said it was good. Big fan of the original or one with. I think there's more than been more than original. One with Charlton Heston. In yeah. It. You know, um, one of my uh, substitute teachers when I was in high school was an extra in the original Ben Hur. Oh wow. Yeah. He's, that was his claim to fame. Thing, yeah. He's running up the mountain. Remember the part where they're all running up the <laughs> yeah. mountain? He's literally one of the guys running up the mountain. <laughs> I was I, runner number eight. That's right, yeah. exactly. So what's the second one? Uh, the second one is Scully. 
Scully. So what's Scully? Scully, you might remember, is the uh, pilot that landed the plane oh, yes, with Tom the Hanks. Hudson with yes, Tom Hanks. Yes, okay. And was a, a hero, but it shows how the airline stuff looked like they were going to be sued and stuff. They really made him out like he was bad. Talk about drinking right. and all. You remember at first it was like, and then they were like, no, the minute come out, no, he didn't just go off course and wreck the plane. He saved, he saved all the people's lives. Yeah. But, but how they were willing to throw him under the bus to get it directed by Clint Eastwood, that's going to be a good movie. So, Absolutely. Tom and Hanks I'm with you. I'm like, I'm, and, and, and it kind of, Scary because that kind of stuff really happens. Yeah, true story. So, uh, those are just a couple movies I want to see. Okay, a couple TV shows, real quick. So, I'm a computer guy, right? So, Mm -hmm. I'm watching two computer shows. I'm watching Halt and Catch Fire on AMC, which uh, has to do with basically it's it's kind of like the origin of these fake companies in Texas and in Silicon Valley in the 80s. Oh, so and it's period. It's a period piece, so it actually takes place in the eighties. I need to do that. Then. So, but here's the thing: it's very techy. So, I mean, you can still enjoy it because the characters are actually mm-hmm. really good. Very much in the same vein as like other AMC shows, but very tech oriented. So, you know, what's the one with the advertising company from the fifties that was so popular on AMC? You know, what I'm talking about. Everybody's seen it. You know, and I'm, it's even on Netflix, and I can't even think of the name of it at the moment. But it's kind of like that one, how it was set in the fifties and kind of had to do with fifties stylings and everything like that. Uh, it except it's a tech show in the eighties. It's called Halt and Catch Fire. This is the third season, and so far it's really good. Now, I will tell you this though, kind of like the Americans and other things I watch, kind of adult. So, um, you know, if you're not into that kind of stuff, don't watch it. It's a very mature show. And same with the second show that I've been watching, Mr. Robot with Christian Slater. And have you have you heard Mr. Robot? Have you no. heard people say Mr. Robot? Uh-uh. This uh, show is nuts. Um, it's about a hacker is literally uh. what it's about. And his anarchist side of him... Okay. Does, yeah, that, does I, that make yeah. sense? <laughs> Did I say that I right? Re- I remember seeing a clip for that coming it is, coming out it is nuts like literally nuts the show will throw you for loops uh, it's crazy it's like nothing else you've ever seen and that's why people are like it so much i think but from my perspective he's a hacker and the stuff they show on the show is very real i mean it, it's very accurate right. so it, it's a very good show but you've got to be tech savvy to really get what they're doing you know but it's very interesting it's a very interesting show and see i've been you watch the tech stuff i've been watching penny dreadful okay what's penny, heard? Dre- penny, no, penny dreadful heard is on netflix and it is a showtime original series so okay. it is very adult right uh the definitely a warning All there the good shows are adult right and that, there's parts i have to fast forward through yeah, yeah, yeah. pretty adult but the theme is it's back in the um, late 1800s in London, and it combines all the stories of Frankenstein, Dracula, Werewolf, uh, all in, all into one. Like keep meeting different characters. Okay. So what's cool is it shows Frankenstein, but his monster he's created is not a monster. He's he looks normal besides his scars that he tries to hide, and he slowly is remembering stuff and he was teaching him stuff and he's going boat you know he goes i worked on a boat and then you know he starts getting tears in his eyes he sees a girl and he goes what is it you know what's wrong he calls him proteus or something like that and he goes wife he remembered he had a wife so Mm -hmm. it's this real character and then 
you meet he had a previous Frankenstein that escaped and he's the bad guy. He was like, You left me, you created me, and now I'm a monster and right. I'm gonna get you kind of deal. It's kinda of crazy, but they're they look like normal people. They're not this, you know, walking around <laughs> stuff. So it's during that uh they they think Jack the Jack the Ripper, those kind of crimes and stuff. And uh, Van Helsing's in it, you know. It's like now. It's funny that you should say all these because you know that Universal's about to reboot their monster series. They're going to do a Marvel Cinematic Universe with their monsters. There's going to be a mummy, a Frankenstein. They're all going to connect and come together for like an Avengers movie. No kidding. And Tom Cruise, they're getting like Tom Cruise and other like high paid actors for these movies. Well, that's why this kind of combines, and they kind of all like they're all kind of intertwined some way. So it, I, I'm about four episodes into it, but like I said, it's just then then it's just like wow, did you just had to throw that scene in there for what? It didn't really add to the story. It just you just had to make an adult want to make sure it was. And that's what I'm finding, and that's what's like, kind of what? frustrating. You know, the only show that I've seen. Well, I know people argue that Game of Thrones does violence and nudity, like well, I guess right. I don't know. I don't watch Game of Thrones, but the Americans to me, those scenes have purpose in that show because it. That's what they did. I right. mean, that's what the Russian spies did. They well, were, they were ruthless. They did whatever it took. They didn't care right. about people. You know, exactly. it's kind of you know. So I mean, you understand like this is the way this is. This right. is the way this they was, think. This is you know, it it's is like watching right. thirteen hours. You right, realize exactly. that you know that's the way some of them talk, or that's the right. way they act because that's where the right. situation. But is to right. throw scenes in, right. just to just throw a, scenes in, just a random sex scene or something. I'm like. Okay, it doesn't even. This character is not even going to show up again. Right? Where, who are we? What are we setting up here? Right. Or and, you know, I feel gruesome. like that, yeah, Mr. Robot. I feel like they've done that a couple of times where they've just uh-huh. kind of thrown in certain things. Not, not. I mean, not really because of plot, just too. And there's know? a lot of talk about that right now, uh, being that they're getting around a lot of censorship because they said, well. You know, we're not public TV, but yet everybody has access to the internet now. Right, yeah. So they're like, well, you know, the new app, Netflix and things like that are basically the way that we watch TV growing up, you know, where you couldn't have certain shows or, you right. know, you had to have cable or had to pay for extra for HBO. And that. so I've heard a lot of that chatter going around. We're pushing the envelope. Like they will have an ABC show that might say the F word or yeah. something in the previews that you can see online, but then they might not say it on live TV. So it's like, why did you have to say that yeah. in the previews? I will, say, I will say that about Mr. Robot. The USA versions of it are censored. So the F word is actually censored out. Wow. But when you download the show, I think on iTunes or Amazon, they have it in there. Right. So, you actually, so they actually did cut out the language, which is interesting. See, but just, you, when like you go get the it, actual show, you have it so, in there. Really, like we've been talking about, everything is changing. We're changing culture. Uh, culture is definitely changing. And then, you know, I don't know that anybody really knows who our next president is going to be. <laughs> you know, we don't talk about politics a lot because we know it, 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 it is that divisive. It oh, is absolutely, what right is, now. It is a 50-50. I don't care what anybody says. Right. It is. I can get 20 people in the room. I show you 10 Hillary's and 10 Trump's <laughs> and maybe one independent, you know. But I'm just saying it is that 
clear well, cut and dry and it's hard not to you know for me though i mean this is to, what this is what it, what it comes down you have to. to dance around it i always look at who i agree with the most right because here's the thing i agree with stances from all candidates mm-hmm. okay you i might not agree with everything but it comes down to which which politician do i have the most agreement with so, I mean, I agree well, with stuff on both sides of the aisle. I agree with stuff that Hillary says. I agree with stuff that Trump says. I agree with stuff that Gary Johnson says. Right. I agree, you know, I agree with stuff that Green Party candidates say. But who among all the candidates do I agree with the most? I don't look at what they're against. Right. I look at agreements. Like, which one of these candidates do I agree with the most? Which one do I have the most in common with from a, sta- from a political standpoint? Right. Because, I mean, like I said, I can find things I, – I can find common ground – with all of them, and but it seems it's so important. I mean, right. it, it's just you know, and, and you can it will feel, determine the direction of the country. You can feel that weight. Yes. No matter which direction we go in, you can half the population is not, not going to be, be happy. happy. <laughs> That's and exactly it's, right. It's just, uh, <laughs> it's just crazy, you know. Okay. Well, we have to. We do have to wrap it up. We have a question though, and it okay. kind of could have gone in the real show, but he actually asked for it to be kind of added to the after show. I guess he says potential after show topic for the next month. What are your holy grails, arcade wise? Have you ever been close to finding or buying one? So, when I first got into the hobby. I really wanted a Soul Calibur, and Tim, at an auction, we found one and uh-huh. bought it for me. And so I still have it, but we transferred it into another cabinet because it was in a Virtual Fighter cabinet that was freaking heavy. You remember that? And so uh-huh. we transferred the board and the marquee and all the other parts to another cabinet that I still have in my possession. I love Soul Calibur. The other one was Street Fighter, Tim. Really wanted Street Fighter for a long time. Finally got one. So, Tim, what about you? Um, mine has changed over the years because I've acquired a lot of those games. I would say, oh, this is my holy grail, exactly. like a Sea Wolf or, or a Tempest. You know, once I got that game, so now it's not like I'm actively searching or wish that I could have this game or that game. No, I can't. I can't really say that there's just a game. What about that, a Ghostbusters pinball machine? Now, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I would, of course, I would like to have one. Right. I don't. I don't know. There's nothing, you know, because I've learned that games come and go. Don't they, they do come and go, and it's nice and it's fun to collect. But man, you can get obsessive, especially if well, you're hurt. Well, what, you, you see, that's why I went. Game. That's why I went back to when I first started collecting. Yeah. So, like when you first started collecting, what was the one game you had to have? I really always wanted a Star Castle. Star Castle. That's one of my. And you had one. And I did have one. And it worked well. And I, I liked it. Tron has always probably been up there. And you have one of those. I do have one of those. But I can remember, and, and the, one of the reasons is because I remember the arcade playing Star Castle a lot, so, you know, it had a little sentimental... It's a good game. I should have kept it. Really. Yeah, 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 you should have kept it. <laughs> I should have. Yeah, because, I mean, well, you know, they at that point, they weren't even selling for a lot either. I mean, you know, you could buy them pretty cheap. Now I think they've gone up, but everything's gone up. Yeah, so then you go to pinballs. Well, man, I really, really would love to have, you know, a Star Trek Next Generation oh, or yeah. something, but... I, I did like the Ghostbusters pinball. You're right. It would be up there. Mm-hmm. Getaway, I mean, is a great one, too. I think we've talked about that's a great one to have. But, like, now I think my two Holy Grails, actually, I think I just got, like, one of them. I've been wanting a Hydro Thunder for right. a while, and so I think I have the hookup on one. So right. I think mm-hmm. we're going to be picking that one up. And then I do, everybody comes over here, because here's, here's the reason I want these. It's not really because they're my Grails. It's because people come over here, 
you need a driving game. You need a shooting game. Right. You know, and yeah. so I think like, what was my favorite driving game? Well, Hydro Thunder was my favorite driving game by mm. far. Okay, and so and it's not really a driving game in the traditional sense because it's boats, right? But you know, still, but it, it, yeah, it's a sit-down driving. You have you you have a steering wheel, you know, you have a boost and a shifter and all this kind of stuff. Not a traditional shifter, but you know, something similar. So, um, Hydro Thunder was definitely probably my favorite one as far as the driving games that I played when I was a kid goes. And in shooting game wise, I'm I'm looking for a nice cabinet to put a. Um, uh, police trainer, in. Police trainer yeah because yeah, police right. trainer is one of those games uh my wife doesn't like things where you actually shoot people and okay. so you know like uh, maximum force and uh and har- like what's the target terror and stuff like that that stuff is out yeah because, you know you shoot people in no those- carnival right uh, no <laughs> carnival. area 51 even is pushing it but the nice thing about police trainers it's very kid friendly you shoot mm-hmm. targets and it's a lot of fun to play around. yeah I mean, if you guys haven't played it we we had one on location that made good money well, we liked uh, it. so yeah we liked it we like to play it so yeah, so probably right now I'm looking for a Hydro Thunder and a police trainer. But I think I have the Hydro Thunder. If I can get a hold of a nice cabinet for a police trainer, I already have a board, Tim. So if I can get a nice cab- cabinet for a police uh-huh. trainer, I'll uh-huh. put one together. So There's a couple of them up there. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, if I can find something like that, we'll do that. But I think that's it for um for for the Grails. And um, you know, I mean, like you said, Tim, we've had so many games come and go. I mean, I don't think there's anything. I think I've had everything that I wanted at one time or another. You know, at one point I really wanted Mortal Kombat Four. And I had it, and I just never played it. You know, it's yeah. like it's like you have a game that you really want, but it's like I just never went out and played it. You know, and so I ended up selling it just because it never got played. Right. You know, I mean, yeah, I prefer Mortal Kombat two to be honest with you. You know, <laughs> I mean, that's what I figured out. So I mean, you know, stuff like that. Sometimes you think you want something, and you get it, and you're like, uh, you know, it's not not what I thought it was. So whatever the case may be. Well, Tim, I think that's going to do it for an after show. You know, we were kind of floating the idea that maybe we'll add the after show on to Eric and Chris's podcast. Uh-huh. Nah, you never know. <laughs> if, if we sneak one in there, you guys can listen to it. So we'll let them know first, of course, Tim. But well, you know. we'll listen to their podcast and then we'll critique. <laughs> That's right. We'll an, that. an after show critique. That'd be awful. Yeah, we're we not going to do that. We would Eric, not Chris, do we that. would never do that. We never do not. that. So, But, Tim, it is now unofficial sign-off time. So, you guys, thanks so much for listening tonight. Take care. Watch for us on YouTube. And uh, thank you so much much for listening to 80 episodes of uh, tim and jonathan podcasting so uh, we'll see you guys later take care and uh, enjoy next month with chris and eric goodbye everybody goodbye